And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. As long as they keep on making animated Star Wars, Hope Molinax and Chris Honeywell will be on the case. Welcome to J-Guys and Jedi, a project that began with Clone Wars and now may never end. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast, bi-weekly podcast, <laughs> it's going to take me a while to get used to that, a bi-weekly podcast talking about something Star Wars. In this episode, it has been a year in the making, almost literally, like 11 months, but we have done it, we have come to the end, and we are here to wrap up Season 1 of Andor. I am Hope. Hi, I'm one of your co-podcasters, co-host, what well, I don't fucking, I don't know what I am, and this is Chris! Hi, Chris! Hey! Hey! It, the second season only comes out, doesn't come out till like, 2025, doesn't it? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah it got pushed back because of the strike. So, Diego just Diego said at the 2024 Emmys that he was leaving the next day to go back to London to finish the last week of shooting. Um, so we know that Diego has wrapped up. We don't know about the rest of the. Sh- I think the rest of the shoot was finishing shortly after that too. So I think it it actually is done. I think. But yeah, 2025. But we have a lot of cool stuff. Like we are uh, at the time of recording, we are two weeks away from Bad Batch, and I'm super excited. And they just released like the first like clip of it today, and I'm like already crying, and I can't wait. I can't wait. And then I'm actually really excited about Skeleton Crew. Like low key, really excited. Like more than I think I am, <laughs> because everything I hear about Skeleton Crew, it just sounds really great, and I just kind of want to see it. And yeah, I have these like low key like re- excitement for that one. I I think like as much like I'm gonna love Bad Batch regardless, and it's gonna wreck me. But I think out of all the live action shows, the whole two of them that are coming this year, um, I I think I'm more excited about Skeleton Crew over Acolyte. Even though I am really excited about Acolyte, I'm just I'm not thinking about either of them, just like I did with Endor, and hoping that like. No, I, I don't really have low expectations, but no expectations is always good to go in with, too. Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't have that luxury, though. <laughs> no, no, no. I Not thought I was going to have like a nice, easy job. And I was like, all right, I'm going to get ahead. And everything's great. And the Star Wars was like, fucking Bad Batch clip. And I was like, God damn it. And so then I had to go write about Bad Batch. And I was like, damn it. I just lost like an hour. I just got paid. <laughs> but still, I'm trying I'm I'm leaving in like four days to be away, like to be gone for two weeks. And I'm just like, I'm just trying to get ahead and I need to clean my house and I need to wash clothes. <laughs> stop stop giving me Star Wars Star Wars for like a day, please. God, please. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh. You know what? One thing we didn't get a chance to talk about last time. Because we had a guest on, but uh, Carl Weathers passed away. Yeah. Well, that was after that was after our last guest. That that happened just like 
No, it and, happened like the day before. Did it? Yeah. It was like yeah, the, that's... like it was like right before we recorded with Robin, but after we had recorded with Charles and Colton. Yeah, and the great Mojo Nixon just died too. Mojo Nixon? Mojo Nixon. I don't know who that is. Is a great rock and roll funny he did he you probably heard the song Elvis is everywhere. That's like his hit song. Oh, oh this guy, this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really bad with band names. So Tie my pecker. He was also to... in the Super Mario, the original Super Mario Brothers movie. That's where I know him from. And also, he has other great songs such as Jesus at McDonald's and yep. Tie my pecker to my leg. Tie my pecker to my leg. Tie, tie my pecker to my leg is a really good song. <laughs> I hate banks. Yes, he, he has a song called I Hate Banks. Yeah, he has. Uh, yeah, he has a lot. He has a song called Burn Down the Malls. Hmm. <laughs> so he was he was fun, yeah. Yeah, and also on top of that, uh, Toby Keith is burning in hell. Great. Oh well. Oh, oh well. Oh, fuck him. Bye, Bye Toby. Bye, dude. <laughs> no one gives a shit. That was my favorite thing to walk up, and I was like, oh god. And I clicked on like the Twitter part of uh, Toby Keith because I was like, I bet it's a bunch of like cadre people. And it was like people just like roasting him. He couldn't <laughs> like, have been very old, right? He's like 50. Uh, I, why am I googling Toby Keith on a Star Wars podcast? Fuck him. <laughs> he's 62. <laughs> Fuck him. Oh, geez. Yeah. So he's oh. only six years older than me. Don't say that. I'm already having a lot of existential crises about well, that I, last year. I imagine Toby Keith was probably like partying a lot harder than I party, which is not really at all. <laughs> <laughs> lame why don't you be cool chris be like a cool I was kid already cool i used to be cool i don't have to be cool anymore yeah. i did my i did my stint <laughs> of being cool i remember never i was never cool i actually remember at one point like <laughs> i was at, never cool either <laughs> at one of my very first college parties i remember someone just being like hey you want to join and me like my brain was like say no to drugs <laughs> Like, I remembered, like, every, like, dare, like, talk that I had ever been to. And I was like, I don't know. Yeah, I was I too much of a reader. I did too much reading up on drugs. And I was just like, well, if I was, because I was always like, I never need drugs. But then, I, you know, you start hitting puberty in high school and stuff and getting opportunities to, like, smoke pot and stuff. I'm like, I better read up on this stuff, see if it's any mm. good. Oh, okay. Yeah. I that doesn't sound of- too bad. I get pot on others trying. I just don't, you know, I don't like how it makes me feel. Didn't, didn't, uh, didn't vibe with it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, just didn't vibe with it. I also remember, like, one time I got really drunk and high, and I, like, stayed over at my friend's house, and I woke up the next morning, and my friend was standing over me, or was I actually, like, leaning over me because I was, like, sleeping on the floor, and she just went, I'm so sorry, my dog peed next to your head, but he didn't get you. <laughs> and I went, okay, thanks, Murray. <laughs> Just <Okay>. roll away. <laughs> so I actually saw Marie recently. She's doing great. Um, anyway, uh, probably not here anymore. That was like 14 years ago. Actually, maybe. The dog was a puppy at the time. Well, there's a chance the dog could still be here. I don't actually know, though. We did not talk about that. 
sadly, we're out of like a remembrance of life for our college professors. <laughs> anyway, hey, how was your week? Pretty good. I had the best spaghetti I've ever had in my life. Really? Delicious. It's called Assassin Spaghetti. Okay. And I, go, and I saw the recipe context. for it. You take you take the dry spaghetti and you you put some olive oil and pepper flakes in a in a pan and cook up the pepper flakes in the oil for a couple minutes and then drop the uncooked spaghetti in it and then you just let the spaghetti soak up the olive oil and toast and you can even burn it a little bit and then you add sauce but it's sauce that's been watered down like you add half your sauce and then you add water and you just keep mixing up the spaghetti until the sauce is like the water is mostly out of the sauce and then you add the other half of your sauce and some more water and you cook it up again till it cooks way down and you let everything you, you you let the edges of the spaghetti the pasta like you know crisp up and burn a little bit Oh, so good. It changes the way the sauce is completely, like the way the sauce tastes, and like the spaghetti is like toasted and it's been soaking up sauce the whole time. Oh, it's just amazing. So I do not at all like al dente pasta. So does it make it al dente, or is it actually still soft? It was soft. You can you can just keep. You can just keep adding water till it to it till it's whatever you want it to be, you know. Oh, okay. You can just keep if you added a little extra water, that's just more. Everything's gonna sort of caramelize, and you got to use like a either a a really well oiled um, cast iron pan or a big um, Teflon, you know, big enough big enough so you can lay spaghetti down and it hold pieces of spaghetti. And it took like half hour to make. Oh, boy, it was good, yeah. Huh. Assassin spaghetti. That sounds really good. I thought it was going to be really spicy, and it was not spicy at all. It was more sweet than anything. God, for the life of me, I can't remember how to spell spaghetti. There we go. Um. Oh, there are, like, actual, like... There's recipes for it. There's yeah. a video. There's videos of it on... YouTube. I I went and watched a video of it's it's from a certain town called Assassini. Mm -hmm. So that's where the name comes from. So it's not really like about us. It's about the area where it came from. It's from the area it came from. And I was watching like you know the big restaurant in that town making their version of it, and I was just like, oh, that looks good, and it looks like something I could actually handle. Holy shit. Like, I'm looking at, like, um, uh, 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 like, pictures of it. It looks so good. It is. And it's not a hard recipe. It's not a recipe that, you know, is very da- would be very daunting. And it's very forgiving because you can actually burn it a little bit and it makes it better. <laughs> yeah. Huh. It's I have, good. I'm going to have to try this. Ooh. I've been meaning to for a while, and I and I had to get the ol- get some olive oil, because, you know, I mean, I'm still it's it's you know eight months ago that our house burned down, 
but I just think that I got olive oil in the, <laughs> in the kitchen. I'm like, oh, I got olive oil. Oh, that's right. I don't have olive oil. <laughs> huh. But, um, yeah, it's good. I'm Okay, I need to stop looking at pictures. <laughs> I destroyed a big bowl of spaghetti, like, at three times the speed that I usually, like, eat it. Usually I'm, like, three quarters through it going, like, mm, I'm getting kind of full. And this was just like, ah. <laughs> oh my god is this gonna be on an episode of eat it and beat it maybe someday mm. are you still doing eat it or beat it no not in a while oh well after like during covid and after covid dario's been like working constantly yeah we miss you dario i hope he's listening i actually i haven't heard from dario in a while i hope he's Oh, Dario, we He's love you. He's working all the time. I know. I see him on Facebook. He's all over the world, you know? Yeah, he was, literally. He was, in, he was in Japan a little while ago. He was at one of those. Oh, oh my God. I went to one of the, the sushi places with the conveyor belts. We got <gasps> one, like, walking distance from our house. Oh, my goodness. I love mine. It's my favorite. I've, ne- I've never been. And my roommate was just like, I love this place. You can just get a little food or whatever, you know, and. Like, we ordered tea, and she goes, oh, here comes our tea. And I'm like, how can you tell? And she's like, I can hear it. And then I'm like, I thought she was just be- – I thought it was going to come on the conveyor belt, and a little robot brought it over that yep. was playing, like it- – it's probably a chain because they probably – yeah, they're probably all the Is same. Is it called but- Cora? No, it was called okay. uh, – Cora's ours. Umai, I think it was called. Because we have a little robot, too, and ours is a chain down here, so – which my sister was very excited to find out that they opened one in Florida near her house because I took her to the one up here. And Jen was like, yes. Yeah, the sushi was pretty good, too. Yeah. I like those places because you can sit down and you can eat and you can just eat whatever you want. And you don't have to like be like, man, I only want these like three rolls. But is that enough? I don't know. It's so yeah, expensive. Yeah. It's like, no, here's fucking plates with everything you want to choose. Go. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty nice. Well, and it's right down the street. Yep. I'm ready. All right. So if you are new to this, hi, welcome to one of our recaps. So the way this works is Chris and I are going to recap Andor. Huzzah. Took us a year and it was, you know, fun. Um, And we are here to talk about the show and we, we, let me try this again and actually use my brain. We are here to recap Andor. And we have questions that we're both going to answer. Uh, and there are a lot of the same questions every time. And then um, we have questions that we wrote for each other. So I have questions written specifically for Chris. He has questions written specifically for me. And then I'm going to do my evolution. And then we're going to rate the show. So let's get into this. The very first one is our top five episodes of Andor and why. And I, mine are actually numbered. So, uh, do you want to start or me? Um, I'll start. Okay. Are we just gonna each do our do from the bottom up? Oh yeah, let's do bottom up. Time? Okay. Yeah. So my number five is the eye. Why? Which is, which is it was Aldani, right? That's the end of the Aldani arc. Where, yeah, well, yeah, with it, the whole like space thing. A, it was the first time they 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 sort of like, you know, wound up an arc. They had the you know, and 
and it was also the first time they sort of let go with like special effects and and action and it was where it was where this show really like hit it started hitting its stride after its after its setup you know it was the first big you know climactic event you know short of Luthen and Andor meeting briefly which was you know but that was all part in the setup setup area and, and it's kind and of this like, one, the, like the halfway point of the season it was like the mid-season finale yeah and 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 but that's this is where like this is where every all the all the dominoes started falling and and uh it was just beautiful to look at also and you know it was it was it was really good I mean, that's the thing is I love every episode, so these are the gold out of the gold. These were really hard to pick. (laughs) It really was. Um, Yeah, yeah. There's little things in, yeah, in each, almost every episode to, like, make it, you know, hard not to exclude. Yeah. Hold on one second. I need to cough. I have a little tickle in the back of my throat. Alright. Um, my number five was Aldani. The beginning of the Aldani arc. The first episode of it. Mm-hmm. And it was really hard to pick from this and because I don't know. The first half of the season is great. The second half of the season is phenomenal. Yes. Yeah. But the reason the second half of the season is phenomenal is because of the groundwork the first half of the season put yeah. into it. So even though like this is my only one from the first half of the season, um, I don't want to like neglect to say that the rest of the episodes of the first half were bad because they're not, as you said. And the reason I specifically chose Aldani was because it it just introduced essentially the rest of the main cast without feeling rushed. It didn't feel overstuffed. It gave us Mon Mothma, Perrin, Dedra, Blevin, Partagaz, the entire Aldani crew, Sovel and Senta, and also introduced like their relationships with Luthen, blah, like it and like Nimic and like it introduced so many people without ever feeling rushed and never felt overstuffed. It felt well balanced. You felt the kind of insecurity of like an anxiety of Cassian going from this like familiar place in Ferrix to this brand new place where he trusts no one. Introduces all of Mon Mothma and like what's going on in her world. It's just a really well balanced episode. And also Dedra, like we get to see the ISB for the first time. And that's the first time we've really seen like that part of the Imperial. Uh, 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 brain come on hierarchy hierarchy thank you yeah um at work like that of at least that specific part of the hierarchy like we've already seen like isb agents like agent callus but we've never seen it like functioning and it's all in this episode and it feels really well balanced and really well stuffed and just enough to kind of like make sure you know who everybody is but not bog you down. Like it's, it's. I just think it's really well done. I, I when I was looking at all the episodes, I was like, yeah, <laughs> this one. I, I like the eye. I like um, uh, uh, the axe forgets and stuff like that. But it really builds on the groundwork of Baldoni. So, 
What is your number four? Mine is number four is Narkina five. I think this was your first ten for ten of the season, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Well, this is the introduction of the of the prison, and you know where you get you know. I just love how they lay it out. You know, they're like, "Oh, you're gonna find it's cushier here than, you know, than other prisons you've been if you've been incarcerated before." Because usually we see like salt mines in Star Wars when you with guys with whips, and then you find out it's probably even more hellish <laughs> than almost anything else you can think of. It's just like. Mm-hmm. You know, I I think it 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 plays more towards. There's less people that have been in like a chain gang, fe- feeling imprisoned in like a chain gang as to feeling imprisoned in a cubicle, <laughs> in in a in in just modern day, generally, <laughs> right? Yep. And this is mm-hmm. this this definitely plays more towards bureaucratic, you know, oppression, and and stuff like that. So just the introduction of, I mean. It's 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 one of the great. I mean, it, the 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 idea of it has been expressed before many times before, but the this twist on it is just, you know, completely out of left field and great and takes it in a. Uh, it's it's a very tried and true story, but it, it it presents it in a different way, you know. So it's it's great. I think it's Narcina Five. Narcina Five? No, no, yeah, yeah. I, I, but I think what I'm about to say is in Narcina Five. It's in one of the prison episodes, but I don't remember. But I'm almost positive it's Narcina Five. Um, when you were talking about being trapped in the cubicle in the bureaucratic, that was Mon and Cyril's story too in this arc. Yeah, because it yeah, showed yeah. how them how they are both just as imprisoned in their own systems. Oh as yeah, well. him get him getting walked to his desk in the just you know the endless yeah. cubicle mill. And Mon being trapped in like the the prison of the upper levels and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Of the upper um, levels and her her planet's hierarchy too. Mm-hmm. That's true. Being trapped by the uh, the uh, traditionalism of Chandrilla. Yeah. Um, my number four, and it was really hard because I could have just split up a few episodes, but you'll see my next entry why I did what I did. Um, but I really wanted to talk about Reckoning. I really liked episode three. I think it's a really good little mini finale building on the first two episodes. But what I like about Reckoning is not only does it build upon the world it had been built, like, growing in, like, 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 how, I was about to say fornicating. <laughs> the world has been fornicating. Oh. <laughs> the world it's been forging for the first two episodes, and you actually get to see Ferricks come alive. You know, like, you, you kind of, like, in the first two episodes, like, you get the idea of the community, but when they yeah. start banging that metal, and you see how they come out, and you see how they function, and you see how they come to arms, they make two people into an army just by being Ferricks. They, Cassian and Luthen can outsmart all these mall cops, because Ferrix comes to their aid. Because Brasso comes and hitches a toe to a ship. Because the packs are banging this metal and confusing them. It's... And, and just the sound design of that episode. The sound design that the fact of this banging of metal is actually in the score. The fact that um, the time grappler 
is in the score. And it's I love this episode because it's the first time you get to see Ferrix come alive, like really come alive. And then we have Ferrix for the rest of the show. And I just I love that episode. That it sounds that, like a seventies live album. Ferrix comes alive. Yeah. And you get to see Marva being Marva, like that great speech when like she's talking to the mall cop and she was like that, you know, the, like that's the sound of a reckoning speech. Like that's such a good speech too. And you get to see like that little sparkle in her eye of just like, oh, all hell is about to break loose. <laughs> so yeah. I, I my number four was definitely reckoning, so you did the opposite of what I did because you actually put all these episodes in one and I paired them all together. So do it. Do it. Do your number three, Chris. I'm kind of indulging myself by putting the whole prison arc in there, but so be yeah. it. It's, it's I did not. I, I favorite story arcs in all of all time. So what? You yeah. Think what, this one is, way out. You think this is your podcast or something? I know. Right, God, yeah, yeah. I, well, I did it. I did it. You didn't. I, you didn't hear me like writing. You going, hey, Hope, do you think I should do? It? I just did it. I just. Yeah. I just did it. Yeah, like a man. <laughs> and 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 one way out, you know, has that great speech by Luthen, and on on top of, you know, the great just, speech by Kino. Yeah, yeah, it's got two great speeches, and and it's the shit hits the fan episode. So I mean, it's it's just, and and, and it's got that punch in the gut ending. So yeah, it's 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 amazing, an amazing episode. What about yeah. you? Um, oh no, who's to... who's cheating and picking two now? So you I, just you, did it though. I did, I did, like a woman. Just went ahead and did it. I did. Was was my podcast or something? I know. What the hell? No, the reason I wanted to do this is because like I was kind of torn between Reckoning and Aldani on the bottom, but I knew like I wanted to talk about both of these episodes as well. And if I gave right. each of these two a slot, it would be knocking one of them off. So, um, but then the more I thought about it, um, Narkina Five and One Way Out, I'm putting them both there together because the prison arc is the best of the show. Like that, those three episodes together are so goddamn good. Yeah. And for everything you've been saying. Um, but you you can't have Narkina 5, you can't have One Way Out without Narkina 5, because it sets up everything, um, and then One Way Out is, like, the Emmy episodes, that it's a fucking shame that neither Andy Serkis or, was Stellan Skarsgård? No, I don't think Stones was, uh, nominated for an Emmy. I think he was for, but, but, but the fact of that, like, neither of them were nominated for that goddamn episode, which was amazing, ugh, pisses me off still. And I, I think I actually have that later on in my notes that I was so mad about that. Um, but it's just the best of the show. Like, it's just these two, th this little three arcs are, is, is like the best that the show has to offer. It challenges the, the viewers the most. It makes you really think about like where you are in the system, your place in the cog. It thematically ties Cassie and Damon Magma to Cyril. Um, so yeah, I put Narkina 5 and one, one Way Out together. So that is technically my number three because I want I didn't want Aldani to get like kicked off the bottom. <laughs> so... All right. Well, we're getting to the top. We're and I, to I, the find top. It, I find it funny that we have like the same two just reversed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. now they know. Um, number my number two is nobody's listening. This, I mean, every you know everything in this one is great, but this is it's the episode where it get goes on top because it's got that moment. 
where you know where at the very end where where Andy Circus is just like how many guards <laughs> oh, the fist bump <laughs> yep you know that that that's just that 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 was that's you know i mean who wasn't just like pumped for the next deck episode after that last line it was just mm-hmm. like oh per- perfection well what's your number two my number two is rick's road um because a big part of it is the well music. okay well not everybody knows our stuff do you want to do you want to talk about nobody's listening no because it's my number one okay Don't take okay. it from me <laughs> no um We'll book it at your nobody's listening with my numbers. Nobody's listening. And our Rick's roads will meet at the cross. Okay. Look at that crossroads. I should say we're not like crucifying episodes. Um, not on this show, at least I, a big part of my love of Rick's road is the music. Um, that marching band piece is just fucking uh-huh. up. It's, it's, I, I am not a music person. It's not my strong suit. It is not my forte, but that piece of music quickly like shot into like one of my favorite pieces of star wars music ever written i love that marching band piece all the way up through marvo's funeral and it's just the way it like seamlessly moved all the main people into place it didn't feel rushed everything felt so natural everything was exactly where it needed to be it's a cinematography mastery it's a mastery of direction the fact that they had to film it all with the marching band to make sure everybody was in place so it was that what's the word Di- diatretic diabetic diabetic thank you Di- i don't know why for the life of me i can't remember the word diegetic but i know what it means um like to be able to move everybody into place so they could record this diegetic piece of music to where like when they shoot the camera to dedra the music is literally like the music is literally that far away from her that is an actual sound that's the natural sound of what yeah. it sounds like to dedra in character Here's and, the, here's the thing. It's it's funny that that is like cutting edge right now because that used to be just how you had to record music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? coughs> but like that was I, just like every sound engineer up until twenty years ago had to. <laughs> had yeah, to do absolutely. That. And the the music is a big part, but it's just a solid finale with Fiona Shaw giving her own phenomenal speech. And now I will pass this ball to you from my number two to your number one. Hey, Chris, what's your number one? It's Rick's Road. Gasp, really? <laughs> yeah, well, they, just like I said last week, it, it, it's so hard to stick the ending to anything. And this stuck the ending, you know? At the at the end of this, you knew that they had, they had thought this out, planned it out, and timed it out perfectly. It was, it's... It, it was just, it was, you know, like the perfect recipe for a, a, a final episode for a season, a season ender. Yeah, it was perfect. It's my, my soul 11 so far. Yeah, that's true. What's your number one, though? I'm in a book in this because my number one was Nobody's Listening. And a big part of that is for two reasons. The last line of never more than 12 in that fist pumping moment and the confusion of what was happening on level two that scene to me is still the most palpable scene in all of andor it is my favorite scene of the show that 
like I went back and actually I rewatched it today just to like just because it had been so long since we had done the episode. I watched that scene. It's two. It's like what two minutes and five seconds long, and that two minutes and five seconds on YouTube. I felt that terror again. I got goosebumps. That like that because the fact that like we were in the com- like we were in the place of the of Cassian and, and the prisoners. We didn't know what was happening on two, and seeing them panic and seeing the franticness and that like that fear that just sets in that you don't know what's about to happen because they don't know what's about to happen, and just the slow decline of 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 Olaf and like watching him slowly die and how they just coldly put him down and the doctor character is just like I don't want to fucking know his name. This is yeah. the worst part of my day. Like there's so much like terror and cold and fear but you have these like little moments of warmth of like Melshi just being like I don't give a fuck Kino we're all gonna die <laughs> and Kino's <laughs> like shut up and like watching Kino essentially break down over the course of an episode because he's the tough guy in episode one and he's leading it in episode three episode two is the episode of changes and watching that break apart like I love Melshi and it is oh, so good. But that, that just, that powerful fear of what is happening on level two. And that unknown um, is just, it's my favorite moment of Andor. It's my favorite scene. So, oh, so good. All right, next one. Who is the best developed character of the season? All right, you go first, because that's how we got it in the notes. Okay. Um... Really I'm, I'm saying that we're both that, that we both just sort of automatically cut out Cassian and we'll say that he's No, I, I actually Because he I does go through some he goes through an arc I really <laughs> did think hard about Cassian, I did and it really was kind of between Cassian and who I chose like, I, I really thought really hard about it because I actually almost also picked Lucas just saying, like it was actually between Cassian who I picked Lucas like I saw yours and I'm like I kind of agree with that and I'm like well wait a minute so now we both get we both got what we wanted yeah it's good to know that Cassian is both of our honorable mentions because I really did think hard about him um on this one there's a very good argument for he definitely got the best you know the most character development in this but 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 I chose actually Detra. I find her fascinating writing because and, and like the reason I find her fascinating is they uh, of the tropes they use to play her for the audience to make her sympathetic to rip the rug out from under you. Because the first several episodes she's in, she is a woman in a man's world. And you see, like, Blevins treating her like crap. And, like, she's, like, struggling to get her feet down on the ground. And she's, like, trying to get through this. And she's, like, having to prove herself to Partagaz. And no one's having to work this hard. And it's a very sympathetic story. We have seen this trope. I'm sorry, I hit my mic. Uh, We've seen this trope before. We've seen them do this before. And so, like, when she succeeds and, like, wins over Partagaz and she gets all, like, she gets Ferrix and stuff like that, it's this moment of just, like, yeah, she did it. And then she gets to Ferrix and she tortures Bix. And you're just like, oh, God, she is a Nazi. And she's all into it, too. Yeah. She's, She's like, like, messing around with her gloves and everything. Yeah. 
But the fact they like use these like very common tropes to make us root for Dedra and then rip the rug right out of us to remind you that she is a villain. She is horrible. She is she's a disgusting, nasty, vile beast in the middle of the show. And even after that, in the same episode, they tor- she tortures Bix. They put her in that scene with Cyril where he essentially assaults her outside her work. And he traps her and he creeps on her. And it gave me this like visceral like reaction to her. To even then, like, you know, like I wanted to reach through and save her even though I just watched her be horrible for the beginning of the episode. And so, like, I just, I love her writing. Denise Gal absolutely kills this role. She's so good in it. And the writing is phenomenal. I just, I find Dedra, the, the fact they, they use very common tropes to slap you in the face. To, like, make you fall for that. Because there's a little bit, like, right when you're watching early Andor that you're like, what if she could rebel? What if she left? What if she joined? Like, there's a little argument where you're like, this world sucks so much for her. She should join the rebellion. And she doubles down, digs in her hills, and she's like, no, I'm going to be the best fucking Nazi I can be. And she does. And it's just, it's such good writing. Dedra's amazing. So I, I, I would say, like, she was always that character, so maybe best developed is not the right the right word for her because Cassian had more character development than Dedra. But I just love Dedra. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, she's hitting her groove too. So yeah. she's yeah. So I would say to me, the best written character is Dedra. To me, I find her fascinating. So who is your best developed character? I picked Cyril. Yeah. And this that was all guy it goes was, through some the, changes. He sort yeah. of goes on the incels hero's journey, you know, in this one. I don't know if there's <laughs> I don't know if there's any of any if that's part of the power of myth, but you know, I don't know if Joseph Campbell covered the incels journey, but he's going I on. See it. The, I wanna see the character circle, guys. So I wanna make up the incel hero journey. But you know you're 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 watching him sort of like rising, like rising and fall, like he's he's falling, he's sort of stumbling in the empire, but at the same time he's like rising into his psychoness, and you and you also you get he's he's one of the only other character was our honorable mention was Andor that you get to meet their mom and you get to see what effect you know their upbringing had on him. Exactly, because she's, she's the just other the opposite of, of his mom. Yeah, she's the opposite of his mom. She's like domineering and scheming, and you know, full of barbs and stuff. So that that was nice, and you know, you got to you got to sit in his you know little little little, little incel bedroom and see his view and see him eating the cereal and stuff like that. It makes him sound so cute. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's the biggest creep in the world, but he's fun to he's a fun to watch creep, and you actually get a little twinge for it. you actually sort of go like ah when he changes hats with his buddy, you know, and the, they're yeah. sort of solidly sitting on the shuttle. So yeah, that's that's my vote. Yeah, I yeah. I, I thought about Sarah really really hard, so I want to answer. I want to open this next one because yeah, I. So the, the question is, is who is the least developed character in the season? 
And the thing is, is this question is usually a negative. It's usually a negative of like, you know, like this is a weak spot of the story. And like, usually it's just like, oh, we wish this character did more and blah, blah, blah. In this one, it's a positive. Because the least developed characters of the season is Luthen and Clea, and they should be. It's not a bad thing that they're not developed. No, because, they, they, yeah. if, if they have any development, no, but nobody should see it. <laughs> they, are on the, they are on the stealth. And, you know, I mean, stuff happens to them. But, like, Luthen, you know, Luthen has to, has to give up. Uh, what was it, Krieger? He has to give mm-hmm. up Krieger and his men and stuff like that. But that wasn't something that wasn't like we didn't have to see Luthen get over that hump. He got over that hump a long time ago. And I mean, that, yeah, and we're just watching him. He's just doing his thing through this whole thing. He's not. I mean, you we're see not it. seeing it any big moments him. for him. It, it does affect him. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, sure. It, it does. But yeah, cause especially but, like in that conversation he has with Saul. Like when he's trying to like convince Saul, like don't go to Krieger, like you're gonna die. Yeah, 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 and and Saul understood it too, you know. But but that but that's the thing is he he, there had to be a moment where he had to come. To, he's already come to terms with it. It's still hard to do. Yeah. But at the same time, he's gonna do it. You know, he's gonna do it and eat that. You know, and he made that decision a while ago. You know. Mm-hmm. So so it's it's good to see them just sort of doing their thing. And it's good to have some mysterious characters, too. Yeah, I mean, if they really are the center of this spy thriller, then the the fact that we came out of it knowing nothing about Luthen or Clea is a huge victory, especially how much they're in the middle of stuff. The, if I If I really had to, like, really dissect this, I think that a little bit of their relationship changed because she was constantly pressuring him all season and he was constantly struggling with that. And I feel like there is something that changed in their dynamic over the season, but not a lot, not a lot, not enough to make them like break apart and go separate ways or anything, but yeah. Well, we don't know that could, we, you know, that could have been their dynamic from the very beginning. They could That's always, a very valid point, Cause we know nothing about them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's hard oh. to tell, even if there is, yeah, yeah, yeah. They so could have is, been having massive character development, but we just don't know about it. Exactly. It all has to be internal. And yeah, I, I totally agree. Like, for once, the least developed character of the season is a good thing. Yeah. because. So if you guys haven't figured it out, Hope and I picked the same two people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because I can't really think, I, like, I, I was like, maybe, like, some random background, like, Nurchi, but, like, Nurchi played his role of being the snitch. Like, that was his part yeah. of the narrative, yeah. blah, blah, and so. Who are some of our favorite side characters this season and why? Oh, God. Well, we, we, we don't, have, we, we both, we both have, have fucking Brasso. Fucking Brasso. <laughs> fucking <Yeah>. Brasso. <laughs> Boot to the chest, Brasso. Slapping Imperials with bricks, Brasso. Part of Gast, who we'll find out later, is basically my Grievy, I think. In, oh, really? In, uh, yeah. I, I I've come to love Part of Gast with time. Uh, so don't forget Street Crossing Alien. He's actually my answer later on. <laughs> the Street Crossing Alien. He's, and he's I, also like, have the, I laughed when I saw that in your notes. <laughs> I also have the Time Grappler in there, in there too. Yeah. Um, I also too have fucking Brasso. Mine actually says fucking Brasso. Thank you. Yep. Um, 
I, I do like. Did you know that there's a there's a brass cleaner called Brasso? I've actually used it to clean a padlock once, an old padlock. I do know that there is one, but I've never actually used it. But I, I was aware of it, so um, I've seen it before, like in cabinets at people's houses. Yeah. So, um, I chose Clea as well. I think Clea is very interesting. I actually find Clea more interesting than Luthen. Um, I liked how people uh, there was like thought that she was going to be Princess Leia at some point. Are you serious? Yeah, that's what people were really? talking about before they they before anybody said their name. They're like, is Princess Leia like? Is this like young Princess Leia? Like, no. Yeah, but was... I, I I love her mystery. I, I I'm still in the. I still kind of think that she might actually be Axis and not Luthen. Like, I'm I'm still kind of leaning in that camp. Yeah. Um, I really like Mosk, like Linus Mosk, like Cyril's friend. I just think he's a yeah. fun character. I love how he like shows up and he's like this big tough mall cop, and he's just a doof. He's just a doof. He reminds he just, me of like a doofy ho- like uh soccer hooligan or something. Yeah. Like and he just wants so badly to be Cyril's best friend. Yeah. So he's just a doof. Um and then uh, I also put I picked Hurt because I, I like his him I I ship him in Detra. Like that's that's the real reason. There's no good story reasons. Uh, I just ship him in Detra. And I, I love the idea that he makes a cuck of Cyril. Like, I can just, never remember I can never remember his name. I just think of him as Smithers. He looks like uh, Peter Cushing to me. And last but not least, and I know I'm about to like get on. A lot of people are gonna be like, what the fuck? I picked Perrin. I love Perrin actually. I I love to hate. Oh, he's Perrin. an interesting character. I've, yeah, like, I, I find I've, no, Perrin, I've known people like Perrin too. So he's and that's the thing. Like Perrin's like kind of in the camp of characters I love to hate, but he's not fully there. Like no, I he's love got, like that charismatic smarminess, and he's got a little like like um, guy who works at the Renaissance Fair as a as a <laughs> uh, like a swordsman or something. You know? Yeah. And I think the thing about Perrin is, too, is I love the little glimpses of when him and Mon are a team, when they are both there for Lita, when they uh, he clearly loves his daughter. And, like, I find Perrin incredibly fascinating. He sucks. He's a horrible person. But there's, like, little shimmers of good in there of who he could be that he's not. And I just it makes him a very interesting, deep, well-written character. When those little bits come out, and yeah, I I I, I find Perrin incredibly well written, even though he sucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, what moment do you wish was handled better than this season? And I'm actually really surprised by your answer. Well, so it's a tough one. It's a tough one because there's not really much that I don't think was handled well in this season, and yours is the is the is like i don't know i i'd forgotten about that actually so i probably wouldn't have thought about it but when i saw it i'm like yeah that uh, i i think the like elements of their escape from narkina were a little too like too easy there was a little less like um you know tie fighters flying around and you know like trying to get all the you know get all the prisoners scoop all the prisoners back up because they would have wanted to scoop up those prison although you can't really you know you can't really run that prison after that happens with those prisoners so that they would probably have to just be hunting them down to kill them but it's it, it you know to to just to move the story forward they they cut out any like 
you know, the, them evading the, but it just, it just makes it seem like they got off, uh, you know, went from jumping down into the water to like escaping the planet. It was really easy. There was like, and there was a time shift in there, you know, I mean, they had to climb the wall and, you know, the, the cliff face and all that, but. They did have to it, convince some aliens. Yeah, but it was all, it all went pretty smoothly as far as that goes. No, yeah, I know? get what you're saying. But that, I mean, if I had, but that's the thing is it was hard to think of anything and you got the only good one. Because <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree with yours. That's... So the moment that I wish was handled better this season is the whole thing with Cassian's sister. Because the reason that everything happens is he's on the Primor planet looking for his sister in a, like, like a prostitute place. And it's just, and it's just dropped. It's just like never a thing after I think like ep- I think episode three is the last time that she's mentioned. Like in Marva's like you need to drop this nonsense with your sister, and you then it is, it sister. is. But we listen to Marva, and I yeah I, I I'll, I'll come back to this because I I have more on this later on. But like to me like it's just it's a, it's a weird thing. It's weird. Well, what I like about this show is it's so well written that. Usually if you, and, and they took time to have flashbacks with her and have him remembering her and stuff mm-hmm. like that, showing all these scenes with her in it when, you know, and so you just assume, okay, somewhere that's going to turn up as a plot point in season two or whatever. But at the same time, you know, it could also be just like Cassian had gave up on that, you know, and actually just gave up on it, <laughs> you know, and we, we, we could never hear about his sister again. So, like, you know, I mean, I I, I want to just from experience of watching TV shows, I want to think that his sister is going to figure in somewhere in the second season. But there's a very good chance that she won't at all. But it mm-hmm. was weird, you know, and I, I wonder if they built it up purposely as a sort of red herring for the audience, you know. Uh, you know, or just a uh, a uh, plot plot device yeah but yeah i'm not saying anything at the moment because i do come back to this later but yeah that is that was mine so um what or who would you have liked to have seen more of in this season talk to me about your grievy grievy i mean part of guest (laughs) he's fascinating a he's the only imperial who's loving it he's loving it he loves it. He loves his job. I'm loving it. He's Fascism. interested. His he's interested. He's found an exciting up and comer in Deidre. And um he he he's got a Senator Palpatine vibe to him, but he's also just got a like a like a kind of goofy old mad professor grandpa to him, too, you know. He's he's he can be incredibly, you know, like imperial and and condescending and harsh at the at the other thing. But he's also taken Deidre under under his wing, you know. Yeah, like he and, uh, when you Lauren is like Deidre, what the fuck are you saying? Partigas was like, don't talk to her. I support her. You Lauren. I just remember you Lauren was in the show. He's just, just like, I love up. this job. And and, you know, and I I I, I get the feeling that he's either in close with Palpatine or he just lets everybody think that he is, 
but I could see him and Palpatine sort of, and Palpatine being, you remind me of me when I was a young senator. So happy just to be here. <laughs> but yeah, he's very, he's very interesting and he's, he's, he's kind of fun, you know? He, he feels, he's just feels three-dimensional without an awful lot to him, you know? And and we we're also talking about in the early episodes where like you'd see the Imperials who are just sort of on the lower levels and they were, you know, way more, way more like hu- human seeming and like grunt worker type thing. But here's but here's somebody who's on the, you know, on the upper levels and he's just sort of like very like kind of casual, you know. Kinda, kinda like he's casually you know, a fascist. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's yeah, yeah. But he, that's not the the typical portrayal of a fascist. He's he's like a way toned down version of uh, the character in um, uh, Inglorious Bastards. That what's his name plays the the Nazi, the the very friendly, loquacious, talkative Nazi. That is also just completely evil. Yeah. And he's just like, no, Dedra, you sweet girl. I'll help. Yeah, you. no, he likes her. He's like, he she probably reminds him of him at some point. And he's just like, mm-hmm. look at her. She'll she'll stab them all in the back if she has to. And, you know, and, and and you know, and she 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 knows when to she knows when to break the rules, you know. She knows when to she's not afraid to go against She's not afraid to to stand up to me, you know. I just imagine him being like the Kardashian meme of the mom just being like, "You're doing good, sweetie." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, who who would you like to have seen more of? Just aliens in general. Well, you got the one crossing the road. Yeah, and then we got the two uh, hitchhiker scrotum aliens at the end. Yes, they they were awesome. Yeah. Um. And we got we got sleeping in the bed with a hooker alien. Yeah. And I get why did I talk more about this later? Well, it's uh, budgetary. Hold I'm on. Sure. No, 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 hold on. I'm just making sure I don't dive into this more later. No, I don't. Okay, cool. So I can kind of dive into it here, right? Right, right. Yeah, I can't okay. Just want to make sure I wasn't gonna to have to rehash this later. No, um, I get why there's not a lot of aliens, like because that's not the story being told. And aliens in Star Wars are often seen as being very camp. Like, that's where a lot of the campy pulpiness of Star Wars is. And this is not a very pulpy show. But I also feel like it's a bit of a missed opportunity. Because because there's not racism in Star Wars among human characters, a lot of the coded racist stories of speciesism comes through the aliens. And this is already such a highly political show that it feels like there was some sort of, like, missed opportunity to tell, like, that kind of coded story. Um, to tell, like, that, uh, even just with the aliens we had, like, there's one alien in, like, in, I think, like, episode one or episode two that's following Nurchi around, because Nurchi, like, paid him to, like, try and intimidate Cass yeah. or something, um, and Cass was like, so-and-so, you let Nurchi talk you into this? Oh my god, I thought you were better than this, or what? whatever, and he was just like, I'm just here, Cass, hi, and he's like, hi, it's good to see you, like, you know, like, that little scene, like, <sighs> I, I don't know, like, aliens have their place in Star Wars, and 
the ones that we have did work. Um, but I feel like they could have done things like, or even just like on Coruscant, you know, like this is supposed to be the center of the galaxy. Even with this, even though the Senate's falling apart, you look at Mon Mothma's party, there's not a lot of aliens. Like there are some, but not a lot. I know some of it's budgetary reasons. I'm sure it was really expensive to build Ferrix, but like they represent, like this is supposed to be Mon, Mon, Mon Mothma trying to like reach out to anybody who's listening and like who would be more sympathetic under a fascist empire than the aliens being like being like shut down upon the fact that the PORD is going to probably affect them more than it's going to affect the humans of the galaxy yeah. and like even if Mon Mothma like was like talking to like uh, an alien of some sort unless the alien was like yeah I'm really concerned too you know this is going to affect our country disproportionately then the humans and the human senators be like, ha, oh, well, then why sh-? that line where it's like, you know, why should I be afraid if you have something to hide? Like, you shouldn't be worried about the security. Like, saying that to an alien's face, being coded for, like, racism, you know, like, that's powerful. And that and it would fit. It would fit in Andor. And, but it's, like, not here. So, like, I I always love aliens in Star Wars. I, I always want more. And that's one of the reasons well, why I love Resistance as much as I did. Because I Resistance wanted- was, like, Hold on, yeah. I'm almost done. Resistance was like, oh, you want to have talk about racism and like Holocaust imagery in Star Wars? Let's go in this goddamn well, yeah. kids show. It was all animated too, so it's a lot easier to to animate yeah. the aliens in and there. I, and I get and that I, it's a budgetary reason. And when Andor well, does that, do aliens, when Andor does do aliens, they're good. Well, the, I think so they put, few and far in between. I think they wanted to keep it grounded as much as possible and to to get people more you know subliminally you know since humans are watching it and they just put enough aliens in it so you know that it's star wars and they're there i feel like that but they were keeping it like you know keeping it close to the to the you know reflecting the viewer i do agree with that because this is probably the easiest show to get a non-star wars fan into Right, right. Because and, it doesn't have to, you don't have to worry about hyperspace and 12 parsecs and doing the Kessel Run and Wookiees and, well, and I get that. I get the, that. The Wookiees, Chewbacca is so in the pop culture language. Well, like now is, yeah. And I was, and, and you know, it would have made sense to have a few Wookiees, you know, have a few Wookiees kicking around in that prison because boy, oh boy, Wookiees could you know, lift those parts a lot better, you know, could, you know, be working really hard in there. But then who would be on the Spice Mines of Kessel? Uh, true. I don't know. Any uh, Everybody else. <laughs> they could put, well, why not both? Why not both? Or like have like, you know, have one of the prisoners be blue, like be a Pantoran or be gray to be a cage war, like an ex cage warrior who's been captured or something like, you know, just a little, just something, something. There's so many humanoid aliens like cages and um, Pantorans. Um, we would not. <laughs> Chiss keeps popping into my. We're not going to see Chiss in this time period other than Thrawn. Thrawn's in the prison and he breaks out. <laughs> Thrawn would be like, excuse me, Mr. Lloyd. Lloyd, can I give a speech? And Kino's like, get the fuck out of here. But yeah, I don't know. I always need more uh, more aliens in my Star Wars. There's never enough except for Resistance, which is a fucking perfect show. I miss it. Somewhere in the distance, I'm hearing Charles go, fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Oh, speaking of fucks, uh, what was your top what the fuck moment of oh, the season? I think mine goes better after yours. Mine is the cries of babies used for torture. Because yeah. that, well, it's, that's a really well-written scene. And the that's, fact that's, that's even darker than Anakin killing all the younglings when you really think about it. Yeah, because it, it's just also, it's just a well-written scene, the whole thing. Like the fact of the, the doctor like sets it up and talks about it and like it puts in the audience's head like, oh God, this is going to sound horrible. And then the, they don't let us hear it. So we well, yeah, just it can't, imagine it. It can't, it can't, if, if, if it would yeah. have to be bad enough to drive us insane. So they, that, yeah, you have to leave yeah. that up to the imagination. It was so good. That, it's a really well written scene, but it is one of those like, they're using the cries of dying babies to torture this woman. What the fuck? Which is a it's perfect kind of place love, to It's kind in. of Lovecraftian. Yeah. yeah. Mine it's is the creep who administered the, the baby screams. The little Yosef Mingla fuck. Loved it. Young guy. Loves his new toy. Loves explaining it. Loves using it. <clears throat> Just an all around. He's one of the drippiest Imperial creeps we've met. You know, and we've met Cyril. And this guy puts Cyril to shame. This guy's just like, this guy's a serial killer, basically, you know, mm-hmm. or just a serial torture or whatever. If he was didn't have the empire, he'd probably just be a serial killer. Pairs but, really well with Bad Batch. Uh, when we see like uh, Dr. Himlock doing his like clone testing. I, I, I said, I know we said this before, but like, God, those two get coffee together. <laughs> it's 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 it, it's a it's a long way from the blue waffle doctor. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, maybe he'll show up. Oh no, he would be. Well, he was in he was in Clone Wars, but who knows what his did he die? Don't remember. I don't. I don't remember either. I think I know they had him arrested, but I don't know if he died in like with like a ship explosion or something. Hold on, blue shadow virus. I'm googling this. They they let him out when. When the Empire took over, he was in oh. jail, but they let him out after that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, um, Hemlock and, and that Mingala fuck would just be like, oh, let's go get Dr. Vindy. And yep. they, like, Vindy sees him and he's just like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's see. Um... But he was just like the caricature of a of a Nazi doctor down to the yeah, yeah, yeahs. And now these are, these guys are just like, the only creepier. Like torture was probably if you ever seen Brazil, when the guy gets tortured by his his best friend, who's a torturer. <laughs> he did not die, the uh, the blue waffle virus doctor. In fact, he was mentioned in the book uh, Cataclysm, which was a prequel novel to Rogue One about Orson Krennic and uh, Galen Erso. And according to Wikipedia. While in Republic custody, Vindy, along with Locke Durd, were part of uh, was part of the Lieutenant Commander Orson Krennic's original plan for prisoners' exchange with the Separatists to secure the release of Galen, Lyra, and Baby Jen Urso from uh, imprisonment. So he might be. I've never read, read um, Cataclysm, but he is he is alive. So yeah, they're having I've... tea together. So um, anyway. Uh, what was the best robot droid moment, and why are they all B2 emo? 
Well, because he's pretty much the only droid we got. Hey, got we got with. the stairs. The droid that rolls up just to be stairs. <laughs> Good droid. <laughs> <laughs> and we did get the t- the not K2SO as an honorable mention. The, the oh, not, right. Yeah. Not to capture the droid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that that was a good one, but yeah, it no, it was B two emo all the way. Yeah, no, I I put down his dream, his his weird like anxiety dream that he was having. Oh, after Marva's after Marva died. Yeah, we've never gotten any kind of internal look peek into the internal world of a droid, and it's amazing. It's really it was just a sh- brief little shot, but to have the the an internal look into a droid and have it ha- be very human have him almost like dreaming you know mm-hmm. it, it's it was it was pretty cool yeah i it took me i had to think a lot about it because b2 emo is just a really great droid all, all around he just he emotes he's sweet he's kind but i just love that like in the middle of rick's road like he just rolls up slowly with brasso and like the music lulls and then you had that moment where like B2 like turns and it marches and like he helps Brasso like lead the rest of the way. But it's that little turn and then the march and the lull of the music. So that little moment is probably my favorite of B2 emo moment. So yeah. Um, is there a moment that you're still not over, whether it's happy, sad, funny, any of that? Wait, I'm looking for this one. Right here. Oh, yes, yes, I am looking for that one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love Cassian's arrest. I yeah. love the absurdity of him just sort of getting arrested for nothing, you know, even though he's really the he's the guy they're he's the guy they're after. It's the irony <laughs> of it. And and <laughs> And and he's gotten away with it, and they just grab him on some stupid, you know, just random sweep of people. It's it's perfect for this like time period in a in in this kind of story, you know, of you know, just you know that you know the the empire just doesn't even it, it's not even rational, you know, what they're doing. It doesn't seem rational. It doesn't make any sense. But they're well, doing it. It says to, it's it's not. It has to keep fighting because it's yeah. not natural. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, it just seems like on the ground they're like, why is the empire just arresting people for nothing? You know, when nobody's done anything, and they're doing it to, as just retaliate. It's retaliation. You know. And so it's they just, have people to build their death sh- star. It's just a, it's just a, and it's also to like make people anti-rebellion because it's just like every time the rebellion does something, it's going to like, it's going to, it could hit anybody, you know, it's just whoever the Imperials happen to be sweeping up could get swept up. So it's an attempt to turn the public against any kind of rebellion, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, it's just a, it's just a great moment of absurdity and it's perfect and it leads into the greatest arc of all of star wars as you're talking about um about uh you know uh him being arrested and i mentioned uh so they have someone to build their death star i just remembered something uh there's a note that i wanted to put in rick's road last week that i just forgot about because we had robin on and and then robin was great and they were just doing their thing 
But I, I remembered something that I wanted to talk about last week. So I'm going to put a pin in mine right fast and just mention this so far. What are your thoughts about the post credit scene of Rick's Road actually showing us the Death Star as the things that Cassian was building in the prison was actually going into the Death Star? What is your thoughts about that post credit scene? It's good and it's meaningful to the whole thing, but it didn't feel as Andor is. It, it, it felt more um, Rogue One <laughs> than Andor, if that makes any sense. I did not like it, but I didn't really need it. You know, it didn't like the ending out the way it ended was sort of more satisfying than seeing that. Okay. He was working on the death star. It was a, it was, it was like a neat little addition, but it wasn't really necessary. And, uh, and I'm used to also this, this show not being very like referential, you know, it was the most referential moment of the whole show. And I think I think the reason I forgot about it is because I always forget it's there, which is why I didn't bring it up. But um, I'm going to flat out say it. I hate I don't like that scene. No, I think it's because it's the one scene in all of Andor where they go. It's irony. Get it? Look, yeah. Get it? Do you see what we did there? That Cassian helped build the very thing that kills him. Get it? It feels like a it feels like a Dave Filoni. Hey, oh, did yeah. you get and it? And it felt like had... that's the, that's the one part where I felt like the story group was like, we have to have this here. And Tony Gilroy was like, why? <laughs> this is also isn't the first time that that we've had like moments of it. Hey everybody, it's the Death Star we're talking about here. You know, there was that part in episode three where they're just like, here, you must take this plan, you know, our plans that we built for your battle station. And then you see the, oh, it's the Death Star, you know? Yeah. And I think what so I they've like, already so... had that happen like three times. And there was, you know, there were several, you know, I mean, it was almost and like. You're taking like, you're talking like Revenge of the Sith episode three, not episode yeah. three of Andor. <laughs> no, it was at Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's also just because, like, all the context clues are there that Cassian is working on the Death Star. The irony is there. It's all there. And it's laid out perfectly clear um, that that is what he is working on. And it's all, like, you know, it's, I I don't know. I just, I, I, I remembered that scene as you were talking. And I was just like, oh, yeah, I do fucking hate that scene. <laughs> it might, it might play better. To, it might play better to people who haven't seen Rogue One yet. Or, or yeah, or, or maybe to, watched to remind it without... more casual fans about it. And I get that. I understand And then, and then that. it won't hit them until they see Rogue One. And then they're like, oh, the Death Star actually killed him. So, yeah. Or, or like the more casual fans are just like, oh, Cassian did the thing and stuff. But like, I don't know. I hate that scene. Sorry. I just, I had to, I, I remembered it while you were talking and I had to bring it up. Well, it almost feels like it's tacked on. It's the only, it's the it only, really real, does. it's the only post credit scene, right? I don't it think is. There were it is there. the only post credit yeah. scene. So, um, as for my moment that I'm still not over, whether happy, sad, and funny, it's the what is happening on level two scene. I still get, I love it. Still get goosebumps. So, and I already talked about why. So, uh, thank you for enjoying my tangent though, because I, uh, I totally forgot about that last time. With I Robin. forgot all about it last show too. I forgot. I for, totally forgot about that scene. Yeah. So um, I'm glad I thought about it then. Um, and finally, our last question that we're both going to answer. 
What do you want to see in season two? I just want to see De- Deidre and Luthen meet. I don't need him to t- turn her or anything. As a matter of fact, I'd rather have him more like Jeffrey Epstein her where he gets some sort of dirt on her. Like maybe she helps out. Maybe maybe Cyril becomes a real pariah and and is and she sort of like helps him out because he saved her life and Luth and she's covers up something for Cyril and then maybe Luthen blackmails her to to get some information or something. But like he seems to have her in his scope, in his sights. So I, I would really I think that would just be a really interesting to see what they do if those two characters meet in some sort of story context. Otherwise, hmm. I just sort of want I I I just I I don't want to know. I just want I you know. I just hope it's good. Yeah. <laughs> but I I got some pretty good faith that it'll be good. Um So what do I want to see in season 2? So I was thinking a lot about season 2 and I'm still kind of on the fence about what we know about it and about how like every arc is going to cover a different year leading up to like the five years of the rebellion or whatever. So I I don't know. I'm still on the fence about how I feel about that, but I was thinking about it and I want to see really well used cameos and I'm saying well used I'm not talking about like the walrus guy and Dr. Evazan or whatever right. they are walking up on Rogue One just being like, look, we're a cameo. Um, I want to see very well used uh, cameos. And I was thinking about this very specifically. And you I kind of want to see Callus, don't you? I want to see the fulcrums because Cassian is a fulcrum agent. He is one of the three fulcrums we know of being Ahsoka, Callus. And him. Those are the three fulcrums um, that like are the main fulcrums. Hold on. <coughs> God, I have this like little scratch in the back of my throat that keeps getting me. <clears throat> Sorry, you can cut out that cut out that sound. Um, but yeah, they are the three fulcrums that we know of, and we have Rosario. She could play Ahsoka, but I actually really want to see Callus because I feel like Callus fits. It's the mold of Andor more, um, he, being an ex-imperial, yeah. and 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 you know be, the way that you know rebels laid out. This would be like later in the season, and it's at Yavin Temple, and Cassian is based out of Yavin Temple in Rogue One, so like it makes sense for Callus to be there, and seeing the two fulcrums together would be awesome. I I really want that very. I specific. I don't I don't think I don't think they would let. The fulcrums even know who the other fulcrums are. Yeah. So I don't think we'll see fulcrums meeting to talk fulcrum, but they might cross paths. Yeah. But I, I'm sure they don't. They they don't know who each other are as much as possible to avoid. You know, if anybody gets caught. So. Mm-hmm. But um, <coughs> God, hold on, sorry. <coughs> I feel like I have like a hair in my throat that keeps moving. <coughs> Sorry. Um, But, you know, I was thinking about, like, who is on that Yavin? Who is on that Yavin temple in Rogue One? And we know that Hera's there. We know that Chopper's there. We know that Mary Elizabeth now plays Hera, so we can have a Hera cameo. We've had a live-action Zeb already in Mando. 
we could catch a glimpse of the ghost crew, like maybe even like Freddy playing Kanan. But I feel like that's too much. Like, yep, I would I, like, agree. I, I would feel like, you know, like maybe like in Rogue One, like having like Chopper rolling around in the background, that would be fine. But so like that's that's where like I say like well used cameos, and I think the most well used cameo would be Callus. Callus really fits the theme of the show, and being ex ISB, he knows how the ISB works. So he would have like he would know how characters like Dedra works, how characters like Partagas works, because those were his coworkers. Right, so, right. He might even know him. He might, yeah. I, I, we don't know because he was all the way out in the fall. So, but we, we don't. But I th- actually, oh god, it's been so long since I've seen season one of Rebels. I think he did come from Coruscant. Someone correct me, please, because um, it's been a really long hot minute since I've seen the first. I it, since I've seen the episode where Callus arrives, but I feel like like um, Aresco and Grint were like, "Oh, sir, you came all the way from the core, or whatever." Um. So yeah, like that that's the very specific thing. Like, well, it'll be fun to see the ghost in the background and blah blah blah. Callus is what I actually want to see because I feel like he actually fits the theme of the show. So Alrighty, Aphrodite. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, yeah, five apiece. Three, four, five. So I should me, you, me, you, me, you, me, you. So I should start because then I can go into my thing. So yes. we have reached the point of this where we talk about, uh, we each have questions that we wrote for each other. So ask away, Chris. Okay, so I I'm, I have to cut this because I left it from last time because um, what is the most neglected element in season one, do you think? <clears throat> it's the sister. Yeah. It's a sister storyline, and this is why I didn't want to get into it earlier. But... It is the only. It, it feels like this. The the entire sister storyline is just in the especially in the present. I don't mind it in the past. I don't mind the flashbacks. I actually think that makes it more tragic, and I think it also makes um, Marva and Clem more gray because they took this little boy from his family in the in the act of quote unquote saving him. So I actually I don't mind the sister in the flashbacks. It's the present day sister that bothers me because yeah. it felt it feels like. Like it's heavy handed and it feels like this is just we need inciting incident for Andor to happen and or go to p- prostitute bar to find sister. Oh, no, he accidentally killed man inciting incident. And now we can have the best show of Star Wars, you know, um, it's the now I am I will say like I am willing if, if it comes up again in season two and it's done really well, like I am so open for my mind to be changed on this. But as of right now, like that inciting incident of why he goes to Primor, why he goes to the bar, why he meets the two Primor cops, why he kills them, why he's on the run, blah, blah, blah. It feels like we needed an inciting incident. And this is all we could think of. And then we're never going to touch it ever again. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, they put too much, they, they put too much time and effort into it. They, I mean, they, 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 built the whole you know his whole planet and the, the tribe of children and everything so they really you know it wasn't just sort of thrown together it was it was and it was set up like it was right at the very beginning of the show so you were thinking this was very important stuff to see mm-hmm. and, and even then like 
I, I don't mind the flashbacks of it either because it's it's heavily insinuated that like something happened to Ferrix and everyone died after Cassian was taken by Clem and Marva. And so like we know that he's a thief. We know that he's a swindler. We know he's a gambler. I almost would want him to actually be just going to the prostitute bar to, to get a prostitute and run up across the Primor people and have to leave. And they follow. And they try to be big mall cops and everything happens the exact same way. But like still have the flashbacks because it's, it, it does add to the tragedy of Cassian. And as I said, it makes Marva and Clem very great characters. That they took this child from his home. So, and like took him from his like only family being the sister to make new family. And that really adds so much to Clem and Marva's characters. Yeah. But I just well, I don't know. It feels they like were probably all those kids were living in a toxic waste dump. And remember, they were pretty much like, Yeah, if we leave him here, the authorities are gonna be coming in, you know, the Exactly. And like wiping out the everybody. The Republic's gonna come in and wipe out everybody. So yeah, so like it's already heavily hinted that his hinted that his sister died anyway, and that cleans it up. That cleans up that type like that plot point, so it makes it like he has nothing to go home to. So the only way he had was forward, um, and he made a new family. So I don't know, like that. That is the one part of Andor that really sticks out, along with the post credit sequence of the Death Star. <laughs> we are booked in on those. The inciting incident and the last post credit sequence, they book in a perfect yep. show of Star Wars. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I was actually, because I, usually I throw this in here because I'm just like, I don't know what to ask Chris. Um, but actually, this one is very interesting because this show is like really great. Um, so I want to know, uh, what are some of your standout visual moments of the season? Cause you are a visual guy. Well, the escape from in the eye, you know, um, the scene in the eye when all the, um, TIE fighter pilots are climbing along, you know, climbing along their launching pads and, and getting in their TIE fighters with the, with the whole meteor shower in the background was amazing. Uh, Luthen's Luthen's escape with his ship is great. The beginning with the with the crashed ship and the people with the plague coming out of it was pretty visually pretty visually weird. Um, the time grapplers fun to watch, but yeah, it's not it's not as much about like visual like it's got great cinematography. But it's not about the special effects, you know. But when this when they do have the special effects, they're really nice, you know. But yeah, the eye and Luthen's escape are the two big Star Wars set pieces in this this one. We I haven't mean, had a a single could... sword fight, and we haven't had a single real like proper Star Wars dog fight in a movie, which is very unusual. Or a Jedi. This is a very forced. That's what I show. saw. You know, sword fight. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. All right. So, question two for Hope. Let me just slide down here. If there was going to be a spinoff series for Mandor, what would it be? So I had to think really hard about this because I was like, "There's a lot of characters that'd be really fun to follow." Um, but the more I thought about it. I would want to see this after season two, like after the show is complete. Yes. Yes. That's um, what I was saying. That's what I, that was what I was getting at. Yeah. Um, and this would almost be like a, a la 
Clone Wars style show. It was filling in like what was happening in the prequels and blah, blah, blah. Um, once we have the story complete and we know how their story ends or not ends, a Clay and Luthen show yeah, to kind of I'm, fill in the gaps of like how they met, who they are, what they they were doing in the sides, how they set all this up. If they don't die, um, I actually kind of hope they both die. <laughs> I have a feeling they're not going to make it because they would have figured deeper in stuff we've seen with the rebellion after that. Maybe. I, I have a, I have a feeling Luthen's gonna die. I don't know about Clay. Yeah. Um. And the reason, actually, I was thinking about Clay a lot. Um. Recently, in the comics, they brought back Kira, who was Han Solo's girlfriend in Solo Star Wars story, and she apparently was like trained personally by Darth Maul. She learned all the the secret. Like he told her all the secrets of the Sith and how to defeat Palpatine and blah blah blah, and like. She really gave the Empire in the comics a big run for their money because Darth Vader shows up and she's like, I was trained by a Sith. And she doesn't beat Darth Vader, but she holds her own against Darth Vader long enough to get away from Darth Vader and survive another day, which is really hard to do for most people. Yeah. Um, and But the very fascinating thing about Kira is she, she really gives this Empire a run for its money and really threatens them. But when her plans fizzle out, she just vanishes. And there's this one comic panel of her post-Return of the Jedi sitting by herself in a bar, like, sad, because everything she did succeeded, but she's not with the other heroes. She's just alone, drinking by herself, and nobody knows if she lived or died. But she, she's clearly alive, but no one knows if she actually, who she was and where she went. And that's kind of the ending I see for Clea, where she does all this stuff, but it just kind of, she celebrates and drinks alone at the end. Because uh, she's burned her soul, she can't be with, like, the mythical heroes, she can't be I, with Luke, she can't be with the Luke Skywalkers and the Princess Leia's and the Han no, Solo's. And, and Luthen's, Luthen is, Luthen's, Luthen's place is not with a forming government it was like when when he reaches the end of his usefulness he's just gonna let like let somebody shoot him <laughs> you know yeah and plus you know just the life he's lived he's probably like i deserve it you know and i have nothing you know i'll have nobody mm -hmm. when this is over and everybody that i had is i i chucked into the meat grinder so yeah i just don't see luthan making it through yeah but i once the show is complete I would love a background show of the two of them, like how they met, blah, blah, blah. And honestly, actually, it would honestly be a better novel. I would say it would probably actually be a better Star Wars book. But I think out of everybody, because I, I was thinking about like, you know, Brasso and and Cyril and like maybe like an ISB show. Though I would watch like a, a non-canon. Can you imagine a non-canon the office style ISB show with all these characters and well, an office like, show. Oh, I I was thinking that with with Cyril and Deidre, called Frenemies or something like that. You know, <laughs> but um, I would love like them to do like a little uh, spoof of the office with all the characters in the ISB and like part of Gaz just being like the Michael Scott <laughs> and like Cyril being Dwight just being like bears beats and Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> um that that would be a fun like non-canon show if, if they wanted to like do like a whole episode just that for fun but yeah i, I think out of everybody that we know of so far in the show clay and luthan are the only ones that like 
need more information because everyone's actually kind of good. I mean, I would love to watch Mon Magma be Mon Magma all day, you know, in and out all day, all the time, because there's so much going on there. But like, we have had so much Mon Magma, and yeah. Um, the other kind of thing I talked, I, I was thinking about is what the other Rogue One characters make good Andor shows, and maybe, maybe um, Churn and Bayes. Um, the the two people the the two like husbands from Jeddah, and so maybe like another spinoff show of Turnham Base of um, like being guardians of the wills and blah 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 and like what that means and stuff. Uh, that's the other one I can think of. But if we're talking That'd about like, good. yeah, if yeah, we're talking no, about like Andor. just Andorish characters, Clan Luthan. Yeah. So. Uh, let me scroll back up to yours. Um, haha. So your question is. Tony Gilroy was not a Star Wars fanboy growing up, like Dave Filoni or Jean Fat Jean Fat Jean Jean Favreau. <laughs> Jean Paul Favreau. Jean Favreau. Um, how do you think? How do you think that? Sorry, now I'm just making myself laugh. Tony Gilroy was not a Star Wars fanboy growing up, like Dave Filoni and Jean Favreau. How do you think that changes this show? Well, I'm going to cross the streams like last episode. It's just like Nicholas Meyer, the director of Wrath of Khan. You know, when you go into it and you, you get somebody who's good, like a good director and a good writer, and they're not, he was aware of the material, but he wasn't enamored of it, you know, but he wasn't also averse to it, you know, it was just like not his thing. Um, you get fresh eyes, you know, you get somebody who has to go and look at this thing and examine it and go, like, what is this about? You know, what can I do with this? He's got no baggage. He's he's like, well, I can't put it. I'm definitely not going to put it in. He's he's not playing out his his Star Wars, you know, directing his Star Wars fantasies in the, in the toy box going like, you know, I'm going to pull out my favorite character. I'm going to get Darth Vader in on this, you know, and all the all the stuff you could have done with this, you know. You get out Darth Vader running around all over this, you know. That's that's the whole like Grand Dave Moff Tark like get Grand it, Moff, get it. Grand Moff Tarkin could be in this, you know. You could you could go nuts with all the rough. You you could put the Emperor in this, and maybe maybe that'll even happen. And you know, but I think if we ever get the Emperor, it's going to be like a hologram addressing the people or something like that in the background. You know, they're like or, or they're at, at the the emperor's speech or something and there's stuff going on around it i don't but he doesn't have you know he he all he doesn't have the baggage of star wars to it he's his only job is to make a good story about it you know so and you know maybe that sometimes that might not work out but it worked out great here you know just like star trek 2 did you know mm -hmm. um you ended up with a lot more like character work. There, people people who are not attached to the series are not shy about like what they do to characters or what arcs they let characters go through. I mean, I think that you know, to an extent, the Last Jedi had a little bit of that in it. Although he was a fan, you know, but yeah, I think it works completely to the advantage and i think it's one of the probably one of the factors that makes this show stand out and and be great at the same time i always think of um when we had arzu on talking about book of boba fett 
And she talked about the Dave Filoni, get it? Do you get it? You got yeah. it, right? Get it? <laughs> you see this. You like this. It's like, you it's like, like jang- you get it? We did the thing. I, I get offended. It's like somebody's jangling plastic keys in front of me like a baby just going, ching, ching, ching. ah. <laughs> I, I think it depends on how it's done. Um, I, I think when it's done well, I don't mind it. Like Melshi. Yeah. Melshi is done well. Melshi could have very, like, we actually yeah. talked about this in the beginning of the prison arch. They could have been like, oh, music, it's fucking Melshi, that guy from Rogue One. But he's just a guy. He's just, he's this just a random guy in ass Rogue guy. One, too. He's just a guy in Rogue One, too, you know? To he's... a casual fan. But like if like but not like he is he is uh Cassian's left hand man. He's the one that's leading like he is the sergeant under Cassian. He is Cassian's person. Cassian's right hand is K2SO, Cassian's left hand is Melshi. And they they show that and he's like he's the only person that Cassian trusts to lead the ground assault while he is sneaking into the big tower thing. Um because Cassian can't sneak in himself or can't lead it himself. And so like for a casual fan, yeah. Like, he's just a guy. And he's just a guy here, but, like, when... So I, I don't mind the get it when it's done well. Because that's the thing is, he's also not, like... He's not, like... He's a character, but he's not a character. You know what I mean? He doesn't yeah. have, like, this actually an ostentatious makes him a personality. He's just, he's just a guy. He's not, like... He's not angry, you know. He doesn't. He he, he doesn't have anything like. Jin kicks his ass in the first scene, actually, because he's the one busting her out of prison, out, out of the right. prison trunk, and right. she kicks his ass. Right, but but he isn't he isn't played by like a recognizable actor, you know. He's he's played as just like a guy, you know, and he's he's kind of gets it like Cassian does, as we learned of this, but he's you know. There, 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 there's nothing like there's nothing like we're ever gonna say in our normal life was like, well, that guy reminded me of Melchi, or like, oh, that would be just like something Melchi would do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so I, I think um, I, I think how... it didn't play as much of like as a, a look at and and frankly, like the look at this stuff only seems to work with the original trilogy and to a lesser extent with the prequels because I think Disney shies away is starting to not they're they're starting to be like oh okay a lot of people do like the prequels but you know it's usually stuff like Darth Vader, R2-D2, the Death Star, you know Sand People, Guy from the Bar, you know those are things that are like iconic characters for 30 years you know Melchi was just in Arguably, probably the, you know, just from fan point of view, maybe the most liked of the Disney Star Wars movies. But he's not like Chewbacca or something like that. He's not like people aren't. I mean, there are going to be people that are like, oh, Melchi, you know, one of my favorite characters from Rogue One. Hey, I know those people. (laughs) No, but like in 20 years, it will be because people will have watched Rogue One over and over again on, you know, Turner Broadcasting or whatever, you know, when they're sitting at home. And and the little kids who watched it will grow up and be like, oh, yeah, it, 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 it doesn't 
it doesn't hit the same until it's nostalgia, you know, and, mm-hmm. and Rogue One isn't old enough yet to be nostalgia. It's, it's, it's just almost directly tied in, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I don't mind the uh, thing when it's done well. So uh, whose question All right. was that? Was that, was that mine or yours? No, that was mine. That, that was, was uh, okay. Oh yeah. It was the fanboy one. <laughs> the get it. Yeah. I will never, I will always love Arzu for that because now I use it all the time. The the Dave Filoni, get it? <laughs> all right, so we've already sort of covered this earlier, but, but not many. But I didn't talk it. about him in detail. No, no, I mean your next question. I know, but I did not talk about him in detail. Give it to okay. me. Okay, okay, so so I there's love. not many not many aliens in Andor. We've discussed that. Who Who is your favorite, though? My sweet person, my sweet boy, my sweet little guy. My 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 uh my my razzle dazzle my my sweet guy, who is just in the background around Ferrix. <laughs> I love I'm him. gonna call, I'm gonna name him now. Name him. His first name's Tget. Tget. And his last name is to the other side. I love it. I love it. Also, his nickname could be. Chicken. How about Tget other side? Tget other side. Uh, oh, that sounds like get, a Star to, Wars name, right? To get Oside. T T apostrophe G T O T H A S A D E. Oside. And I think he's only in like the first like three episodes. Um because I, I remember I was kind of looking for him in the Rick's Road episode, and I, I cannot remember him after episode well, three. Well, it was probably all the scenes that they shot on a particular day. They probably had him dressed up, and they probably positioned him in several different places yeah. throughout so the I, day. Yeah, so I, I hope he's doing okay, because he's just like this little guy, and he just adds so much flavor. Like, he comes up to the edge of the sidewalk, and he holds his hands up like a little bunny T-Rex. He looks both ways. And he jumps off the curb and then like waddles across the like 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 kind of like struggle, like goes across the street. And then he's in the background of another scene. Um, but like he's also in the scene where I, I had to like I had this moment, I was just like, oh yeah, that douchebag Tim was in the show. <laughs> Tim. Fuck Tim. He died. Tim. Fuck you. Stitches Fuck you, get Tim. stitches. Fucking Tim. But like he's in the background, like when Tim is calling up the Primor guys and telling them where Cassian is, and he's talking on the phone. And I like to, I, I like to think that he is working to get is working on Ferrix to provide for his family back home, and that's why he's there. And he works really hard. And he's he was calling home to talk to his kids and tell them good night, and that he'll get to see them soon. But he doesn't get to see them soon because the Empire comes, and he gets stuck on Ferrix for a very long time. And he's trying to get out, and he joins the rebellion. And like Chewbacca, he doesn't see his son and his daughter and his non-binary child for like five years until he can finally get home at the end of the war. And they run out, and they're like, "Daddy, you're home!" And to get gets to go home. That's the story of Togetto side. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone clip this and send this to Lucasfilm, please. Uh, no, but I, I love that alien. He, for whoever that extra was, good job. 
you made you put you know so much, you know you know how to draw attention to yourself on the on the set <laughs> but also like not in a way to make it not feel star wars right you know right. like i yeah. i have several friends who are extras who like just do extra work for a living and like it is hard to like just be doing a thing and not drawing attention away while acting like you're in a scene. It's a, it's it's difficult. It's more yeah, difficult no, than people do. it's a skill. Do. It's a, it's it's a it's it's definitely a skill. Mm-hmm. But like the way that Taget does it is that he he feels like he's just a Star Wars alien doing his thing in the background, and like that extra puts so much personality into that alien, and he's just so memorable. And yeah, like even then, like a year later, I remember exactly what was happening with that alien in the background because he's just so good. So we even had named aliens with voice actors and blah blah blah. And they're they stand no chance to get. He's the king, king of Ferrix. So yeah. uh, without a word. Yeah. Uh. So I want to hear about this because, yeah. Your next question is, what lessons should other Star Wars take from Andor? Well, you can present a script, visuals, and music in a different way. Still make it feel like Star Wars. And most importantly, focus on the characters and the story. And not how to pander. There's zero pandering in this except for maybe the Death Star at the end. And, you know, it's being lauded as the greatest Star Wars, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they should, they should learn, you know, I hope they don't learn the lesson that it's like, now we need serious, like more, you know, I was non-Star gonna, Wars, Star Wars, or I stupid was shit like that. I you with that, because I, I wanted to ask you a surprise follow-up question of, what wrong lessons do you think they'll take from Oh, there's a million wrong lessons that they'll take for it. It's just like, okay, we want to... It's it's just like, okay, you know, in the 80s, Frank Miller came out with The Dark Knight Returns. Oh, I know where you're going. Whole, Please continue. And, and the, X, <laughs> the X-Men were very popular, and all the comic companies took the wrong... They're like, oh, they want things grim and dark. Yes, but they, they did, did grim and dark without thinking about a that the dark knight was satire and that it's kind of like it's it kind of like like paired it's kind of like, like you do that too. once and the watchman you do it once and then they it's sort of been done you know what i mean and at the same time they're just start like you got stuff like the boys now and the boys does it right because it's dark but it's also kind of comedic and it has a reason for being that, and it's satire, and it and it's satire, you know, satirical about everything and stuff. Whereas everybody was like, oh, tried to do grim dark seriously, and it's just and it and it turned into all these joyless, you know, joyless comics. And the same could be taken from Andor, where they're like, oh, you know, these serious political dramas and more grounded and all that. And then you get somebody who's not Tony Gilroy who comes in and tries to like break down Tony Gilroy's, you know, formula for making Andor. And the, what the formula is, is write a good script, <laughs> write a good script and take your time, work with the actors, get a good cast, 
and get a good story and and you know put the time into it put the time into the you know set design and stuff and have it all for a reason and you know i mean there's no magic formula that the that the gilroys put into this they just put a lot of work into it and a lot of thought into it and it shows and you know they had they had a definite idea behind it rather than just like the idea being like how do we tell han solo's story without clashing with anything else or how do we you know how do we make sure to get r2d2 and c3po in here you know for for this or whatever you know the the how do how do we figure out how darth vader and ben kenobi can actually interact with each other and stuff you're not thinking about you know what you're trying to say with it you know and whenever you take away from that it takes away from the this the the thing as a whole and like you know i mean this is this is the most airtight star wars thing ever written you know without like really like you know doofy plot holes or anything like that and and it's probably the the most like you know one with a like kind of emotional core you know it's not about the big themes of good and evil in the galaxy in the same way yeah so yeah that's what they should do they should also they should also just keep calling back the gilroys to do stuff because i think the gilroys would also not want to do andor again they would want to do something different and i'd be very curious to see what they came up with you know yeah. So. Um, okay. Or okay. If there was an MVP in the cast and crew, who would it be for you? The surprise of having Andy Serkis return to Star Wars. Cause like that was yeah. and it was his face and like nobody knew it was coming. To like be watching Narkina Five and Cassian gets there. And he goes down a little elevator, and there's fucking Andy Circus meeting him, chewing him out. There's Andy Circus, and he's doing Andy being Serkis. in being in Star Wars as another character, and this character blows away his first character. Absolutely, and it's one of those things that like only Andy Circus could like actually like do that really well, because like he could be such a good character actor. Um, but I, I also what I also liked about it is it opens the door more for other people to do that sort of thing and i know it has been done because both anthony daniels and um oh my god what is work davis i was about to have a moment i was like who is he there's um, another one too both An- yeah uh, anthony Dan- david uh, daniels work davis and who's the other one um the guy who played jar jar yes um ahmed best like ahmed best have, yes you know like these we've seen that they can play these multiple characters like when they're not behind masks or fursuits or CGI and stuff like that. Um, But I feel like we haven't really gotten much of that in in, in present day, which I know sounds kind of weird, but what I mean by that, like with a sequel trilogy. So like, you know, cause like Anthony Daniels is this legacy character. Warwick Davis is this legacy character. The whole, like, Ahmed Best got to have his triumphant return after the prequels, which Phantom Menace is turning uh, 25 uh, there's this another year, one. Everybody. There's another one, Mark Hamill. 
Mark Hamill has been in a lot of Star Wars. Actually, yes. Mark did the opposite. He was just like, I was Luke Skywalker, and now I'm going to do all this voice work. <laughs> I'm going to do all these little tiny characters, and because he was he, he was a guy feeding quarters into BB-8 and Canto Bright, and he voiced um, Darth Bane and Bite Charles Bite Canto Bright <laughs> Bright. Um, but like Canto yeah, like, Bite my balls. Bite our balls. Bite them. Anyway. Um, uh, like Mark Hamill was like Darth Bane in Clone Wars. Blah, blah. I came to the upset. But we haven't had that kind of break with like sequel characters, you know? Like, now I want Lupita to be in a Star Wars. But I want it, uh, Lupita Nyong'o to actually be her face, not Maz Kanata. Like, have Lupita actually acting. And so, like, what I liked about that is it kind of like felt... It didn't feel like a legacy. Like, it wasn't like the, the story of Kino... The story of Andy Serkis um, wasn't like we have to bring back Ahmed Best to like kind of right the wrongs of the prequels that were never wrong in the first place because people are just assholes. Um, Ahmed Best never... Uh, I, I'm not going... Oh, no, no. We're, we'll save that tangent when we get to Mando Season 3, which is right around the corner. By right around the corner, it's going to be like mid to back half of the year. But um, <laughs> we'll get to there. I have a lot of feelings and thoughts about Ahmed Best. And yeah. But like... It feels kind of different with Andy Serkis because this is kind of the first in the new Star Wars to me. If it feels like it's kind of tying that and bringing like the sequels and like kind of do it's it's doing the Anthony Daniels thing, the Warwick Davis thing for the sequels, and I think that's neat. Um, and also, it's just fucking Andy Serkis. He was robbed of an Emmy nomination. Yeah, absolutely robbed of an Emmy nomination. And it just, again, it just always makes me so mad that these shows do this. Though I think you got a Saturn? Hold on. Yeah, they'll win. They're going to win, like, stuff that's, like, more on the genre. Or, like, People's Choice Awards or stuff. But, like... Listen, the- as somebody who's in... Now, I will say I'm only in season one of Succession. Uh, Andor is so much better than Succession so far. And it's considered like the best show on TV or whatever. So, whatever. Yeah. Whatever. No. Um. Uh, yo, Succession, my balls. I. Succession is one of those. I was. What was it? Um. Yo, yo, give my balls a succession. Because I'm reading, I'm watching both <laughs> The Bear and Succession, and The Bear is actually good. The Bear is actually a great show, but I feel like Succession. Succession cinematography should be the Bears, and the Bears cinematography should be Successions because they don't fit their own shows. <laughs> because Weird. Succession is filmed like a mockumentary, like one of those like Abbott Elementary yeah. Modern Family mockumentaries, which yeah, just one does camera not. Shot. And well, yeah, no, it just has like you know like sudden zooms, like somebody will be thinking yeah. and you know like zoom in on their face, and I'm like, why yeah. are why am I in Modern Family? And it like really throws me off. But like the bear is like filmed like an actual TV show. Yeah, and I feel it's like that one should be ca- a documentary. It's it's a di- that that's one camera and three camera. Yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. That's, you, you, and- you 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 you. It changes every. It changes the way that you block every scene and the way it's perceived and stuff. But like, yeah, the one camera scene though saves a lot of money. Yeah, say it and time. But I will say, like, as I'm only in season one of Succession, but so far Andor is so much better than Succession because the show is good 
and it's made well and it's acted well, but it's not like great. <laughs> it sounds like an, it sounds like another one of those backstabber dramas that are really good, but like I've seen them, I've seen so many of them. You know what I mean? And I, then I've I seen... will I will say a lot of it is Succession is not my particular taste of shows. I'm it is in our TV night rotation because Lynn really wanted to see it. I probably would have never chosen to see it because it's just not the kind of show I enjoy watching. Um, no, but it, it sounds yeah. like it's. I've I've talked to a lot of people who've gotten sucked into it, so it's it sounds like it works as where if you watch it, you get involved with it. You know, yeah. I was like Scott Gardner's wife, who doesn't watch TV, like uh, the science fiction stuff with him, got sucked into the Grateful Dead. You know, or the Grateful Dead, the Walking Dead, <laughs> and uh, was like, you know, was like watching him watch it and like, oh, I'll sit down and watch an episode, and then was just like, wait, let's play the next episode. You know. Oh. So. Yeah. Anyway, you ready for your next question? I am. All right. <clears throat> if you oh, I just saw your answer. <laughs> if you could deep dive into another character, like how Andor dives into Cassian's life, who would it be? Part of gas for sure. I would love to see what he's doing. I'd love to see him hanging out with with Palpatine, and you know, and just what goes on in his his world, you know, because there's a whole whole shit going on with his superiors that we don't we haven't gotten to see yet. We get to see him where he's in charge, and I'd like to see where the he's the guy who's sit- he's the guy him- sitting at the table, you know. The only person we see him under is Yularen. Right. And Yularen's right, right. only there for like an episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh but like yeah, I would I I would lo- you know, Deidre Deidre as I said before Deidre and Cyril would be a crazy show too to deep dive into even if they were just like not even like only interacting once in a while in the show but like you had their parallel lives through the empire and stuff but Part of gas could be in that show too, but I'd rather have a part of gas show with a couple, you know, just quick appearances by Deidre and Cyril once in a while. And to hear part of gas behind the scenes talking about all those guys fighting each other and stuff would be fun. I thought he's a very engaging character. All right. Next one for hope. Um, what would you have changed if you could, if you had the power Outside of the sister storyline, which is the weakest point, I wouldn't change anything. It's a damn near perfect piece of media. No, it doesn't even need more of some something or somebody. I mean, you can say you can say no. I'm just being a dick. No, because <laughs> even the stuff I addressed, like more aliens and blah. blah I already blah, asked like, that question anyway, too. Yeah, and and like <laughs> and but but the things that like I would say like more aliens, I understand why they're not in the show. Because they are the more pulpy side of Star Wars, and this just isn't a pulpy show. So, like, I understand, and, like, yeah. this is probably a very costly show, because, like I said, they had to build a whole Ferrix. Um, so, like, I understand why they're not in the show, but honestly, even then, there are parts of the sister storyline I like. I so like I know like it's a pretty damn. It might be a cop. The show has some pretty... expe- probably has some expensive actors in it too. Yeah, Andy sure, Serkis uh, and Cassian's Scar, Scar, not um, very. I, 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 no, I think like with um, Circus since he was returning, I'm sure he was excited to return. Yes, 
yeah, but I'm still sure he collects his fee, and I'm sure Andy Circus's mm-hmm. fee is pretty, pretty damn good. Yeah, so didn't, didn't have to get into makeup for this one. Not much makeup, anyway. Or, or like motion captures or, or, or a bubble suit. Yeah. Yeah, but no, I, I honestly, even the sister storyline, like even the tacked on post credit sequence. I understand why it's there and why it's functioning that yeah. way. Like I understand. I hate it. I think it's stupid, but I understand <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So no, I think it's a pretty damn perfect piece of media, even if that's a cop out. So, um, and your last question, what political issue do you want them to address in season two? I'd like to see a little like anti-rebel propaganda and how that, how that works and how they, they, put it out into the public because there's you know I, I i'd like to i'd like them to show that the entire galaxy is not necessarily like we must fight the empire or else it would have been over real quick you know so there's a lot of people who are just like these rebels are terrorists and stuff i would like to see that how that works you know and i mean i know how it works but i would like to see it in the star wars context i think it would be very interesting and and it would be useful in the context of how of the dynamic that that uh andor is already established for itself especially with saul because in in other media and in ancillary stuff we've we've been told that saul's actions of like not caring about collateral damage not caring if citizens are caught and stuff yeah the empire uses that to yeah. tell, to they actually they, use they probably Saul hold him up face yeah. on anti like on yeah. anti rebellion stuff. Um yeah. Saul, well, Saul is the perfect happens, character for that. That's what happens in politics today is you you take the worst, you know, worst behaving character in, in whatever, you know, Whatever political party you've dis- you're on, and you're deciding to slur the other one, you have to find the most, you know, heinous example of the other one. Just th- not to get too topical, but there was just that news story. Did you hear the news story about the kindergarten class? No, tell and, me. Uh, um, there's a kindergarten class. They paid two quarter of a million dollars. An elementary school paid quarter of a million dollars for a lesson plan and it's called woke kindergarten and it's it's <laughs> like and, and 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 you know every day they have a word and it's all like super radical you know liberation phrases and stuff it's it's basically it sounds like it's a ripoff you know, and then like if they want to buy posters for the class, it's thirty five dollars a poster and stuff. It sounds like this happens a lot with schools is the government will pay money for a program in the school and somebody will come up with something that's kind of a grifter. But but wait, know? like like so like were they actually like teaching things and it like backfired? Oh yeah, like- it's 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 been bought and it's being implemented into this elementary school. You can do it you can do a deep dive on it and it will make you you know, it's like you know, I'm I, I I think the whole woke, you know, demonizing of woke is a ridiculous thing. But this this when you see this kind of, like I heard about this from left wing people going like this is ridiculous. <laughs> this is over the top. They shouldn't do this. This is this is this is indoctrination. And when you see it, 
it, you know, go go do a deeper dive in it. You read it and you think, is this a joke? <laughs> is this a parody that somebody got away with it? It's like, no, somebody just like the te- they they had a low performing elementary school. But anyway, but that provides a boogeyman for the people who are looking for that a boogeyman on that exact topic. And that's what Sagarera is, you know. He is he's the perfect boogeyman because you could say, like, Sagarera kills your mom, you know. <laughs> he comes to town to get the empire and he kills your mom. And and he and he's a, he's just a half robotic <laughs> beat up crazy person with crazy eyes you know it, it, it's it's he he is the stereotype of a radical you know and when you have real radicals in any situation like that they are they're stereotypes you know and they get used and i want to see that aspect in in season two you know i want to see i want to see them putting up hologram you know of, of saw Guerrera and people go like fuck that terrorist you know yeah, so we we see a little bit of it in Rebels. There's that there's that great scene where Mon Mothma debates with Saul. Um, yes, and we also see that from the first point point of view of Ezra and Sabine, who are just like fuck Mon Mothma's way. We're gonna go Saul with Saul because it's the way that's cool. And Saul like leaves them to die in the name of the greater good, and they're just like ah, we're in danger. <laughs> Um, and then they come back and Kanan and Hera are like, what did you learn? They're like, we got to do it this way. But like to have that, that entire thing done in a, in a, re- in a, not a rebel's point of view, but a Andor point of view. Yeah, I agree. I think that would be great. So, all right. Oh my gosh. It's been so long since we've had evolution. I know. And after, remind me afterwards and I'll tell you actually the inspiration where this came from of like why I wanted to do it this way. So, um, if this is your first time, we're about to do the part of the recaps called Devolution, where I recap the series from the point of view of a character. And for Clone Wars, we started with our dear darling Captain Rex, and it was the Rex Volution. And then we got the Callus Volution. And actually, I don't remember who it was for Resistance. Who was it? Oh gosh, who was uh, my Volutions for for maybe it was I think it was Orphan Flicks actually. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. That, that, I was about to say that sounds familiar because I do love Orphan Flicks. Um, there's a reason I play a bird in for Light and Dice. Uh, <laughs> and so like it's just that, and this time, and I sure do hope you have some lovely cheesy music, Chris. We are doing Cassian Mon Mothma Pitch the Rebellion. Here we go. So good. I don't want to do this. You're doing it, Cassia. The camera's rolling. Do the thing. Ahsoka, please. Callus, why you're you're cut. Come on. Come on. Do it. Do the thing. Do the thing. <sighs> Hi, I'm Cassia Andor. Do you want to go on a great adventure of the lifetime and also fucking hit people in the face with bricks? Well, oh boy, do I have a story for you. This is my good friend, Mon Mothma. How you doing, Mon? Oh, hi, Cassian. I'm just a retired senator who left because my our government was falling to shambles and everything. And I'm here to also tell you about the great things about the Rebellion. It is a wonderful institution that we are trying to fix because the Republic is actually great. And we want to make the Republic great again, right? Yes, let's make the Republic great again. <laughs> We are not very far into this. But 
let's tell you a little bit about our personal journeys about how we got here. Because, you know, that's important. So as I said, my name is Cassian Andor, but my name wasn't always Cassian. My name was actually Casa. And one time, I had a sister. Who I don't think we ever learned the name of, so... But that's okay, because the, the story forgot about her either. Anyway, long story short, I met my mom, Marva, and she's the best. She constantly woke up every morning and told me to fuck the Empire, which was really confusing when I was a teenager, because I was like, alright, but that's a lot of people, mom. And she was like, no, no, honey, no. But I grew up, and they turned me into a rebel. Because I grew up in the Clone Wars, and they came to my hometown of Ferrix, where I met all these fun people like Brasso and Bix. And the Time Grappler, and, well, no one likes Nurchi. Get out of here, Nurchi. No one likes you, Tim. Get out of here, Tim. That's okay, they're dead now. <laughs> but, Ferrix was a really great place. Right, Mon? What about you? Well, I was in an arranged marriage at the age of 12 because our political system is, again, in shambles, and I was a child given to the worst person ever imaginable named Perrin Fertha. Oh, boy. <laughs> As a 12-year-old who then became a senator, because apparently that's fine, you know, being 16. Right, Padme? Forgot that Padme's dead. Anyway, I became a senator, and during the Clone Wars, I watched our government completely fall into shambles and get turned into a galactic empire thanks to Senator Sheev Palpatine, who is a fucking imbecile who I hope that is dead soon. But he took over, and no matter what, I fought really hard against my asshole husband and my daughter, who I love so much, and her culty little Girl Scouts, to fight back. Right, Cassian? That's right, Mon. So, long story short, we went on all these great adventures, because I murdered two men outside of a prostitute bar. How's this going, Ahsoka? You're doing great, Cass. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, I murdered two guys out of a prostitute bar. It was self-defense. Anyway, and I had to go on the run, and I went back to Brasso and my mom, but they were like, Oh no, you don't want to do that. And I was like, you know what, I need to get out of here. So I went with my friend Bix, and Bix was all like, I know this guy, but I have to call him, and his name is Luthan Rail. And I went, okay. Well, long story short, this creepy incel guy showed up named Cyril, and he was all mouth-breathing and getting in his spittle everywhere. Like, his spittle was gross. And it wasn't just spittle from his mouth, it was spittle from other places. It was very leaky, it was a very leaky guy. And so, he chased us down with his friend Linus Mosk, and I left with, uh, Rail to go join the Rebellion. And I met a lady named Vel and Cinta. Vel was a lesbian. She was great. She may or may not be alive right now. <laughs> we'll see. And I went to a great place. Because that's the thing about Rebellion. You get to see all sorts of sights, don't you, Mon? Oh, yes, so many sights, like Yavin... Yavin and Tatooine sometimes. That's right, I got to go to Aldani. Aldani was beautiful. It was full of goats and TIE fighters. And it was exciting. And I shat in a hole a lot. We had a shit in holes that we dug ourselves. It was a, a life changing experience. And we made friends along the way. So many friends. There's this cute guy named Nimic, and he gave me this cool book. He died. And then there was this guy named Skeen, and I murdered him. And then uh, the other two guys also died, and it was just me and the lesbians. Because that's how it gets on. That's how it works. But you know what? That was fine. 
that was it? the alternate name for Three's Company, by the way. Just me and the lesbians. <laughs> because I got to see a great wonder. Because, like, when you are traveling in the rebellion, you get to see all the wonders of the galaxy. And I got to see this great thing called the Eye. And as Stormtrooper TIE fighters were exploding around us, and Nimic was screaming, Climb! in the back. Climb and dying and bleeding out. I got to see the most beautiful side I ever saw, and it was great. What were you doing there in that time, Mon? I was working working to get out of debt because I was funding all of this. But thanks to Aldani, Cassian, and Vel, and Senta, I was suddenly in a lot of trouble. So I had to turn to my friend Takehoma, who my daughter thought I was having an affair with. In hindsight, it probably would have been the better choice to get in, engaged to when I was 12. But say la vie, I still have Perrin, who may or may not be alive right now. But Perrin, uh, Taya was helping me try to get out of this. But the thing about re- the, the interesting thing about the Rebellion is you meet so many fascinating people. And one of those was a guy named, oh, what was his name? Oh, God, what was his name? The, the gangster guy. But I'm actually going to pull this up. His name was the Green Goblin. The Green Goblin. No, it was uh, Davo... Davo something. We, you meet all... I'm not even looking at this. Uh, We meet a lot... I met a nice man named Davo. And he was uh, into uh, breaking a lot of things, including laws. And he was just peachy. So peachy. Just a peach of a man. Peach of a man. So peachy. Right, Cassian? Yeah, no one's listening. What's that now? Nobody's listening. Right, Ahsoka? What? Nobody's listening, because I went to prison. (laughs) And that's when I found out that my voice wasn't being heard, because I was in prison, because I was arrested for the actions that I did myself and was picked up on a stop-and-frisk charge, because... Irony! And I got to meet a lot more people because we get to meet my fun people like Melshi over there. What's up, Melshi? Hey, Cass. Is Kino alive? I don't know. Neither do I, but he was fun and swell. But we got to meet- that's how I met my friend Melshi! And my other friend K2SO. Right, K2? I'm in season two, Cass. Right, that's right. Anyway, uh, I found out that nobody was listening to me in the prison, and I learned to get my voice, and I learned the leadership skills, because that's what happens when you're in the rebellion. You either die or learn leadership skills. Right, Mon? I think she's having an existential crisis about selling her daughter off to a gangster. But that's fine. The rebellion is great, because we got to break out of p- prison. And you know what's also fun? You get guns, a lot of them, if you like if you like being in rebellions, and you also get get good exercise because I swam, and I did not know that I was in rock climbing. I was really into rock climbing, right, Melshi? Melshi's crying in the background. He'll be fine. Um, and we also got to meet a lot of interesting people. We met these two aliens who we swore were written by um, uh, Douglas, that Douglas guy. You know, and, and, you know, you stick out your thumb and they pick you up. Uh, and you There's a lot of towels in the number 42. Yeah, that guy. Um, we met these two really nice aliens. And they took me back to Niamos because Niamos is great. And 
that's where I found out that my awesome mom died. Which sounds sad, I know. The rebellion took me away from my mom. But it's what she would have wanted. Because my good friend Brasso made sure to incite a riot for her and slap an Imperial with a brick. Because that's what the rebellion is about. It is about community. And rebellion in slapping fascists with the brick. It's okay, Mom. Yeah, it's okay, Mom. Just keep crying. Your daughter will be. Will hopefully come back soon. Once we beat the Empire and you can go save her from a gangster. It's gonna be fine. I'm just gonna keep rubbing your back. How is that, Ahsoka? Why am I fired, Ahsoka? <laughs> I thought that was a good one. Just cut off right there. <laughs> the end. Wow, I didn't expect it to end with a awkward back rub. <laughs> so I want to tell the... But then uh, again, who does? Yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk about the inspiration right fast. Um, one of my absolute <coughs> favorite Star Wars artists, who I absolutely wish was on other platforms, because this person is only on Tumblr, uh, is an artist named Juicy Space Secrets. And they have this entire series about... Ahsoka, Cassian, and uh, Callus doing fulcrum office work. <laughs> and there's this one great comic of, uh, of uh, Cassian and Callus trying to recruit people for the rebellion, but they're dressed as Playboy bunnies. <laughs> and, Ca and, and Cassian's perfectly fine, but Callus looks horrifically mortified. <laughs> and it's like, come join the rebellion. <laughs> And that was kind of the inspiration for this because I love this person's artwork. Um, like, there's one where a guy is like, "Aren't you three supposed to be doing important art, uh, important office work?" And and Ahsoka's like, "We are doing important office work," and they're playing with a cootie catcher. <laughs> and it's just the sound of them just going flip, 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 flip. But yeah, I love Juicy Space Secrets. I love how they do um, uh, just office Cassian. In office, callous. In office, Ahsoka just hating their jobs as fulcrum agents because they're just doing the business side of things, and they're constantly getting drunk together. <laughs> and when people are having like parties, like they're just working late and drinking coffee. Um, yeah. So this this was a little shout out to you, Juicy Space Secrets, because I love your work. I wish you were on other platforms so it was easier to share your stuff. But that was the inspiration of this pollution. So, oh, and it wasn't twenty minutes long. Because it's the only way I could think of doing that. <laughs> so, it's okay. Yeah. Less music I gotta dig up. Oh, yeah, too. Uh, also, I, I need to go to bed. I'm, I've been trying to shift my sleep schedule to because Arzu and Candace are waking my ass up at 6 a.m. next week to go to Disney. And every time I'm just like, 6 a.m., Arzu wrote me in italics in bold, no sleep at Disney. <laughs> so I've been trying I'm to shift my sleep schedule <laughs> you'll sleep you'll sleep at the end of the day after walking around disney all day yeah so um anyway time for the final question so we can all go to bed and let these good people go how would you rate the season as a whole um i'm giving it a 10 out of 10 it's a miracle in star wars tv it's a miracle in tv to have a full perfect season like this Literally a self, it's, it's part one of two, but it, it's self-contained at the same time. It sets up season two still, and it's just, it's perfect. It, it, it 
it, it's it's completely satisfying from beginning to end it, and it and it hits in way that's ways that star wars has never hit before so it's it's new but it's familiar it's perfect it's perfect what about you Honestly, I put a 9.99, but it's a 10. It's a fucking 10. <laughs> like, even the little things that I take issue with are just, like, pale. They're so can... minor compared to what, like, I mean, there isn't a show that's not going to have some element of it that you're like, well, I don't know, that yeah. could have been tweaked a little bit. Even the, even the greatest ones, you know, but still, like, but true. Even then, like, I, I'm a very firm believer that there is no such thing as a perfect anything. Which is why we need like well crafted constructive criticism because there's no such thing as a perfect anything. And this right. is and but like this is about as perfect as a show you can get. Like it's like out of personal enjoyment and like loving it and stuff. It's a ten. Like there's Yeah. And I was honestly like when they first announced Andor with all the slews of other shows and stuff like that, this was the one I was the most excited for because I love Rogue One. It's my favorite Star Wars movie. I adore that goddamn movie. And just for like, so it was like, what, two years of people just being like, "Uh, Andor, it's that show. And I just kept going, no, Andor. Why should we, why do I care? But I was sort of like that too. I was like, ah, we'll see. Exactly. And how much was I just going, no, I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to see this. And it lived up to the hype. And I got to see everybody else love it too. And it's just, it's so good. I love Andor. I love it so much. So, yeah. So. Oh, my God, Chris. We did it. We did it, Joe. <laughs> Everything's going to be so fluffy from this point on, it I seems know. like. Oh, God. We did it. We fucking finished That's okay. It. I like fluffy, too. I'll fluff. I'll fluff through. I need a break from Andor, though. even though we had an eight-month <laughs> break. Like, yeah. Well, I know because we got to live Andor in our regular life every day. So. Come on. I, I think that's a big part of why why it's so draining too, because we like live in the hellscape of Andor just without the pupils. Somewhat, yeah. <laughs> I take that back. We don't live in the pupils, but go ask the people of uh, Palestine if they live yeah, in the right. pupils. I'm sure they'll think differently about that. Um, but yeah, but I am very excited about next week or next time, I should say. No, we basically live in Coruscant. <laughs> we do. We do. We're in Coruscant, you know, so, yeah. Um, the next time we get to do Visions, Vision Season 2! So the, um, we're going to do, like, what we did last time, where I think we broke it up into three episodes each, so three episodes three per episode. Three threes, yeah. So, like, this will be a three-little-episode miniseries um, talking about... Oh, let me actually pull this up. I can actually do this. this I'm so excited. Oh, my, oh my guy just hit me. I'm like, we're doing Visions next. Yeah. <laughs> just fucking hit me you're gonna oh, go God. to disney world and then you're gonna come back and do into the world of I'm visions i'm gonna get to talk about screechers reach <laughs> do you know how much i want to talk about screechers reach how it actually i do is now a piece of screechers reach is actually a perfect piece of star wars like andor's not 9.999 screechers reach is a perfect piece of star wars it is a mm. 10 for 10 it is. I love. I fucking love Screechers Reach. I have love you watched it, Scavengers Rule yet? No, I haven't. Stop bringing it up. <laughs> Listen, I work four jobs. Leave me alone. I try. <laughs> but no, like I am so 
no, no, I, I want to see Scavengers Reach. It's been on my list forever. Um, but like, no, guys, I'm so excited to talk about Screechers Reach. I cannot wait. I'm just, I'm foaming at the mouth to talk about Screechers Reach. Bring it to me. It's injected into my fucking veins. Like, give it to me. I'm going to be rabid about this. But also, we're going to talk about Sith and, and the stars, too. <laughs> That's next time. But also, Screechers Reach. I actually almost like I know Screechers reaches the second episode. I almost want to do it last last because I feel like it wouldn't be fair for In the Stars to come afterwards because I fucking love Screechers Reach so much. It is it might be Tatooine Rhapsody to me. And I love Tatooine Rhapsody. It might Screechers Reach might beat um Twilight of the Apprentice, which is my favorite piece of Star Wars ever made. I love Screechers Reach so much. Anyway, uh, so that's what we're doing next time, is we're doing the first episode of Visions with Sith in the stars, and if you haven't noticed, Screechers Reach. So. <laughs> <laughs> Screechers Reach in there? Okay. Yeah, yeah, just saying. <laughs> How many times did I just say the word Screechers Reach? <laughs> it's two words, but uh, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, how many times did I just say it? Anyway, oh boy, we've Oh my God. I just felt like this weight come off me of just like we finished Andor. <laughs> like it just came off me, Chris. I feel like I just I, the, I took off the albatross. I took it off. Ew, it's all stiff <laughs> and oh, it's stinky. Been, it's been there for a year. <laughs> Oof. Uh, anyway, where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our website with all our podcasts on it, including all of the J Guys and Jedi. You can also find us on social media on Facebook, where we've got the Two True Freaks podcast page, where we post up all our shows, and the Two True Freaks Cantina, where we, all the friends of Two True Freaks hang out. And we can also be seen on Twitter. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. It's called Twitter. This this website and the guy who runs our Twitter site is Gene Gene, the Twitter machine. Tweet, 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 Gene. Oh, I dropped my cheese it. I just like calling it Twitter over and over again. It's the only thing that's okay to dead name. But <laughs> that's uh, that's where you can find me. I'm wait. Oh my god, now I'm waiting for Elon Musk to be like, you're dead naming me. Okay. I can I cannot take credit for that joke. It where, been where, where can they? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've heard it before too, but, but mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, but where, can they find you? where can they find you, Hope? Uh, you can find me at Hope Molinex on Twitter, Elon. Um, that is my account. I also run uh, J Guys and Jedi over there. Um, I really need to start using Blue Sky more. Uh, I'm really? technically on there, but I always forget it, it exists. I but guess do. what? You don't. You don't need. To. I, yeah, I know, but I just want something to, like, do. I, I've been on Twitter since, like, 2008, 2009, almost. And I'm, like, I spent all this time building up a following and just the idea of having to do it again just really just yeah, it's, hurts my brain. It's, 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 it's we're, we're looking at the end times of social media. Don't get, I, I just, just a side note, if, if you're using, like, Facebook, like, Facebook specifically, because... All right, I've been on social media since the first social media. I've made it my job to study it, to study it. Places like Facebook and Twitter are on the way out. They are all like when you're on your Facebook feed and you're seeing like this group 
suggested to you by some guy that you've never heard of. That's just it's it's a, it's somebody trying to get you into a scam scam group, and you notice they're all like conspiracy theory stuff. It's to the point now where it's just like plundering. Everything is getting plundered because they're hemorrhaging money, and people are getting bored with it because it's becoming a mess. And they've screwed all their and they're blocking their ads and all their ad people are running away because they lied to them about how many how effective their ads were going to be and stuff. So it's all it is is grifters and scammers and people trying to get you to join a group so they can grab your information and clone your your Facebook page. It's I I spend all my time blocking the people who suggest this stuff and the sites that. And the groups that that are suggested, just so I don't have to deal with them. You know, it's all just it's all just garbage, and and it's becoming more and more just like AI contact content being churned out. YouTube is like half AI content now, where you go and say this looks sort of interesting, and two seconds into it, you realize it's just like a bunch of random clips clipped together in a fake voice talking, and. Yeah, it's time to figure out other ways of communicating with people outside of social media or in some other way. You know, people are using like Discord more and Twitch and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's still, they're gonna go on. They're they're gonna follow the same route too because these things are done for money. They're not very good thing to make money on if you're not doing sketchy shit like buying and selling your users information and stuff like that there's they they've really found no other way besides just being a grift to make money from social media mhm because it used to be when all that stuff functioned it wasn't making any money cuz they were just like holding their place hoping to make money and spending money cuz they were gazillionaires running it and then when they finally figured out how to make you know i mean i think face i think youtube lost money for like 8 years or something before it started making money and uh yeah they've got a limited amount of time and when they made money it's 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 a race to the bottom you know it, it, the end is the end is nigh as soon as you start making money with social media so until people fig- or or people start going back to stuff like news groups and you know and stuff that's just done out of usefulness rather than trying to gain clout or get a lot of money or be popular or you know make yourself a influencer mm-hmm. that's what grandpa says anyway so sorry. i'm also another <laughs> podcast <laughs> Where can they find you, Hope? <laughs> no, you're fine, you're fine. Um, uh, I'm also on a little show called uh, For Light and Dice, uh, where oh, I... Oh, I've never heard of that. What's what's up with that? Oh, so For Light and Dice is a Star Wars tabletop podcast. It's just think Star Wars D&D. Um, kind of like what Critical Role does, but, like, you know, with Star Wars. Um... And I, it, we're just a group of queer creators that are going on an adventure. And you don't even need to know about the time period we're set in. But if you want to know, it's the High Republic. But you got, don't got to know anything about it. In fact, you don't have to know anything about Star Wars. Because one of our characters has amnesia. And they don't know what a Star Wars is either. So it's fun. And we have a lot of fun over there. And we're in the middle of our season two. And we're having a really fun time with that. 
And I also write for a lot of places. So if you check out stuff like Dorkside the Force, which I'm the editor, I'm not uh, a side expert for, um, you can see a lot of my work there. I also work uh, for Collider. And I also work for the Geeky Waffle, where I'm slowly but surely going through uh, Husband Hotel and Hell of a Boss over there because we're fun. But you know what? You should definitely check out the Geeky Waffle YouTube. Go there, browse through it, put on episodes. You don't even have to watch them. Just let it play in the background while you cook because we're really close to monetizing and we need the watch hours. Just put it on. If you want to know, I have a Geeky Waffle playlist. I can give it to you. And you can just put it on your Roku TV on mute and just let it run and give me those sweet, sweet watch hours because I know how to play a goddamn algorithm. (laughs) Give it to me. I'm not kidding, actually. <laughs> Please do. I want to get paid. I'm desperate. I like money. <laughs> we live in a broken capitalist system that I have to have four fucking jobs. And I have to do this and beg people to watch YouTube. Anyway. Oh my god, we're talking about Screechers Reach next time. I'm, I'm the biggest smile. I'm smiling right now. I'm so smiling. I'm so excited. Oh my god. Oh my god. And we're done with Andor too. Oh my god. And... Chris, we're done with Andor. <laughs> I'm like deliriously happy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. I'm kind of sad though. Like, you know, it was a bit. It became like such a nice bit, you know? Like the show that would never be done, but it's here. We did. We slid that dragon. Get out of here, Cassian. <laughs> Give me my animation now. <laughs> Time for some fluff. Oh, not fluff. Next week, we're going to be talking about the best piece of Star Wars ever made. (laughs) (laughs) And it's called Screechers Reach, but also Sith in in the stars as well. When we cover Star Wars Vision Season 2, the first three episodes starting next week. Waha! Alright, bye. Hope we'll be preaching Screechers Reach. Oh, I will be screeching to the reaches. Screeching to the reaches. All right, guys. Oh, we'll cut it there. Yeah. Uh, bye. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, we finished Andor, Chris.
visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Spock, sabotage the system.